Folks at home, folks at home, welcome to Ike Live. This is a very, very special edition. I am Pete Gluzek, the co-host of Ike Live, and uh, I'm here in Ike's seat for a uh, for an important reason. Mike is on the road. He is uh, he is traveling, fishing the Bassmaster Elite Tournament Trail, just finishing up a very, very strong Gunnersville tournament, which we're going to talk a lot about tonight, and. Uh, you know, there's something very, very important that's going on with Ike that I want to let you guys know right now. Um, and, you know, of course, we just had the big tournament, but Mike is uh, has had to go to the hospital, and uh, he's had an injury. He suffered an injury to his leg, and that has resulted in, in a clot of some, not a clot, but some type of cyst, a blood cyst that is uh, that they're having to take action on. It's nothing extremely serious, but it's been causing him a lot of pain and discomfort. Uh, but he is in the hospital right now as we speak, and we're optimistic that we may see a little bit from Mike here in the show. We're trying to get him to call in uh, from the gurney, <laughs> from the operating room. We, we, if he could talk the uh, surgeons into it, you know, you know him as well as I do. He's going to try, and uh, he's going to try to call in and be with us here tonight, whether it's within the next hour or at the end of the show. The procedure is supposed to start at about 10 o'clock. It's a pretty simple procedure, and uh, you know, based in medical terms, based on what they're telling us. And uh, he should be wrapped up pretty soon, and, and we may be able to have him in the after-hour show tonight. We're hoping so. I know all of our thoughts and prayers here in the studio are with him, and I'm sure yours at home are too. Uh, we wish him well, and uh, we hope to be talking to him here pretty soon. But um, we had a massive Gunnersville tournament. I know you guys were watching at home. How about that? 28 pounds to start out at Lake Gunnersville and dominating that event. And um, and follow, backing it up with a strong 25-pound stringer and then found some challenging times. We're going to talk about that. You know, we talk about in tournament fishing all the time. It's all between the ears. You know, it's all about making decisions. And he was put on the spot, and uh, he had some really, really tough decisions to make as his patterns changed. And uh, that's going to be a really, really fascinating discussion to talk about that. We're going to be talking uh, tonight with Kevin Short, K-Pink is going to be Skyping in with us uh, from Arkansas uh, tonight. He's going to be talking about his Gunnersville tournament, his his Lake or uh, Sabine River tournament, and what he sees uh, over the next few events coming up in in the elites. And um, we've got a uh, we've got a really really hot guest who uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, and I hope he can uh, he can help me on how to pronounce it. But it's Carl Jacobson uh, from Australia. Jacobson. Jockamson, I think. Okay. Well, we'll let we'll let him correct us and tell us how to say it. But uh, I tell you what, it what has been amazing um, is has been how he's come on and had a strong top twelve finish here at the uh, Bassmaster Elite in Gunnersville, and all of Australia was watching. Uh, you know, I'm sure they crashed the internet watching uh, watching their boy do so well. Uh, and have a very, very strong finish. I'm really anxious to find out about Carl, you know, making that big move coming over here from Australia uh, and and taking on things with the big boys. And in his second professional tournament, cracking a top 12. Guys fish a long, long time to be able to do something like that. So it's going to be pretty awesome to speak to him. 
um, and talk, learn a little bit about how he got over here and, and what he does in his offseason. Really, really interesting uh, guy. Looking forward to learning more about him and and uh, and how you know how things are looking for him in the future of the Bassmaster Elites. But uh, we're going to have Becky Iaconelli coming on here real quick. So hang in there a little bit for us. She's going to be Skyping in. Uh, live here in just a few minutes, and she's going to give us the real scoop about what's going on with Mike's medical situation and what we can expect. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll let you know uh, when she's going to be on. She'll be on in just a few minutes. But who we have here tonight is um, we've got the cast, we've got the crew that that you guys have all become familiar with. Sitting in my seat tonight <laughs> is uh, is Dave Brosnick, my good friend, Mike's good buddy from high school, aka Wharf. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have to do the AKA speed. I, I don't know Dave. if I can do it. Yeah. I don't know if I can remember. I'm not going to rip on the scale. You leave the nickname. So. <laughs> right. I don't know if I can remember all the carpenters anyway. Yeah. He's got like five. But uh, great to have you on the show tonight. Great to be here, Pete. Thanks. And uh, we've got, uh, we've got, of course, the carpenter uh, getting us on the air, making sure everything happens. Hopefully, uh, we can have everybody uh, Skyped in like we need to. And, and uh, we hope to talk to Becky here real soon. And our good friend, John Hanson, J3, he'll be working the IM board and uh, and chiming in and talking bass fishing. Hey, why, why is he J3? I never uh, – what's He's, the history on that? You want to answer that or should I? John the Third. I'm very proud of that. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, and you have uh, Checks out. you've got a little boy. Is he J4? J4, yeah. Wow. Huh. Maybe we'll get a J5. And in Mexico, he's J Quattro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, we're we're glad we're glad to have everybody in the studio tonight. It's been a um, it's been a crazy weekend. Uh, did did you did you get to watch much of the elite live stream deal? No, I was uh, wrestling tournaments again all weekend long. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's coming to an end. I followed I followed everything now. You know, I saw where Mike was trending down on day three, and unfortunately, when you got guys biting your heels and they're and they're trending up. You know, as Skeet Reese was, uh, you know, it, I started getting real nervous for him. And, you know, even if he did have a stellar day on four, he would need it 23 pounds to beat Skeet's 25, man. There ain't right. no doubt. Because yeah. you're, you're, Skeet was just steady. He had that one hiccup on day two. Yeah. He had 18 pounds, and every other day he was mid-20s. Yeah. I mean, that's tough, man. That that's tough, man. I, and, uh, yeah, Mike would have needed a giant bag. He wouldn't have needed to just catch a limit. And you know what? That's an interesting point because I was looking at his weight, you know, and a lot of guys like Mike bombed, you know, he had that two pound one fish. But, you know, I think Mike knew that he needed to have a bag. And fish differently and on that fished, day. Fish to win. Yep. He, he wasn't going to go to the bank and scratch a limit out to, to, to bring a limit to the scale. Yep. You know, he's a seasoned competitor, knows how to battle in these tough, tough conditions, and I think he fished to win. And uh, unfortunately uh, for him, in that scenario, it didn't work out for him. But um, but he got what, that fish early too, and looked kind of good, you know. Like I think by <laughs> eight o'clock he was updated with one, and only a few other guys had had him at that point. And man, just what 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 a high and low sport, man. Oh, it really is. It is, it is humbling. humbling. But I was I was optimistic for him because I I tell you, you know, the way that they're covering this is just I love it. Yeah. I love what they're doing uh, with the bass tracks. And you get to, like, every day I watched Mike, you know, and wherever I was, I was fishing. I, I was fishing down the Delaware River. I was fishing on this, the upper Susquehanna River this weekend. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I'm all over the place. But I, I take a break, and I'm, I'm checking the bass tracks. And I noticed every day Mike had just one or two fish. Yeah. He was struggling in the AM. 
and uh, in on most days. And so I was still hanging in there for him. I'm like, ah, you know, he's going to pull this out. He's going to. And a lot of guys got that afternoon bite, not just him, right? But they got that afternoon bite. So I was optimistic for it, and uh, it's exciting to watch it. And I get people just comment like crazy about how they love to watch that live feed of the yeah. guys fishing. That's amazing. It's cool. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, just to watch them cast, they'll, they'll have it on. The guys at the tackle shop, Susquehanna, they were, um, you know, they have it on all day. And, and, and <laughs> the people, cool. people just in their store, the people crowd around their TV and stand there for just hours hanging out, yeah. wa- watching that live feed. So, <coughs> Here's an idea, guys. We can open, uh, open up a bass fishing-themed bar. How, how well do you think that'd go over? <laughs> around here? Yeah, man. Not too well. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> let's move. Uh, we've got Becky and uh, Kevin dialed up. Are, are they ready? They're ready. You want to step right into this? Yeah, I guess we ought to we ought to step right into it and, and see what's going on. Yes, let's do that. Let's get let's get them in here and get the update on uh, on what's going on with Mike. And without further ado, Rebecca. Hi, Becky. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I look, I look really. Oh, hold on. Why, why do I have a reverb? You're you're you're, you're yeah. going in and out with us a little bit, but I th- I think the feed straightened itself out here. I think you're good to go. Okay. All right. Sorry, I look so scary, but I, I just rolled in here um, five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we uh, we left Gunnersville this morning, and I had an orthopedic appointment for. Mike at 7:45 this morning in Huntsville because we knew something has been wrong with his leg since the Sabine. He messed it up. So long story short, um, Chris Brown with Rigid, his wife works at the Orthopedic Center, which is an amazing place in Huntsville. Got him in there. Um, they got him over for an ultrasound because they thought he might have a blood clot. That turned out all clear, which is good. But after two separate MRIs, they finally realized that what he had done was torn the muscle behind his knee, which had caused blood to pull up down his calf muscle. And it was such a big sack of blood. It was cutting off the circulation. It was right up against a vein Hmm. and it was cutting off circulation down his leg, which is why his leg has been so swollen and fat here. He's having some circulation issues. So it's one of those things where the body could always absorb it, but you don't know how long it'll take. And we've got two weeks to get out to California for the Sacramento event. So it just made sense to go in. He's going to have about a four-inch incision, have it all drained out, and he should be good to go in two weeks. But thankfully, we have great people on the road. It's one of those crazy things. And I'm in Little Rock, and uh, Mike is... I'm in Mayflower. I wasn't trying to give away Kevin's house, but he wants me to tell everyone. <laughs> um, and uh, Mike's in Huntsville. The Browns are taking care of him, and, and we'll meet back up tomorrow. Wow. So that's pretty – well, a lot of people don't know that you and Mike, you, you travel like a caravan. Caravan. You have your big camper. That, and I guess you – did you tow that up to Kevin's house? Yes. So the kids and I have been on the road since 9 o'clock this morning uh, with a 40-foot camper. And uh, we were hanging out outside Huntsville when they thought he might have a blood clot because I didn't want to go far in case it was and he was hospitalized. But once he was cleared of that, we just assumed it was no big deal. And he said, go on and I'll meet up with you. So, of course, I get driving and then... Ah. 
a little guilty that I drove on without him. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be hard to be away from him when all this is going on. I know, I know you'd love to be with him, but I guess, I think we're all there with him, and it looks like it. I was talking with him, and the doctor seemed to think that it was a relatively minor procedure that that he's going to have to endure. So uh, that that's not, that's good news, right? Yes, it is very good news, and it's one of those things. You know, we just need to do it, get it done with, and move on. I mean, I I know a lot of people don't realize it, but I mean, he's an athlete you sometimes have to make decisions that you don't want to make and have some sort of surgery but you've got two weeks till the next event they're going to be back to back events he can't stand on a swollen leg and and be in pain like you just he's got to suck it up and do it and have it heal and move on can you tell me the uh the status of the uh the video camera inside the operation room for us tonight is that going to be a live skype what? <laughs> FaceTime. Get him to FaceTime into us. <laughs> we're, we're hoping we get to. We were hoping to get to see the surgery. <laughs> oh well, he's just in um, pre-op now, so we'll probably get some weird pictures. I hope so. But I think we'll probably be done because what's that? He doesn't even go back until like nine o'clock your time. So I don't think you'll see post. You, you know what? I don't think the man's ever had anesthesia, has he, Brian? He's never had. I would say no. Done. I would say no. no. He's never had anything done. So no. I'm a little pissed that I'm not there because I could ask him questions. Totally mess with him, Ooh. and I'm not even there to do this. That's like truth serum. Yeah, Ooh. we almost need to provide him like a secret service protection. You know what I mean? Like the way they do the president. <laughs> Becky can't in- interrogate the poor guy. <laughs> Summer of 2007. Yeah, so and what are you trying to protect him from? Not nothing. <laughs> you. Exactly. Yeah, you and your questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's only fair because how many times have i had anesthesia in front of him who knows what i've said yeah i know yeah we all know actually Beck. <laughs> <laughs> hey Beck, some with you said something earlier that i really oh. would like for you to do now it doesn't fit into the uh supporting women platform that you're a big proponent of but <laughs> we need you to do a a video of you driving that big truck with the with the motorhome behind it with two toddlers in the car. So the next time our regular civilian wives complain about, you know, the kids were crying, you're driving a motorhome <laughs> with babies. I don't want to hear them anymore. Across the country. Make that video for all of us. I'm so bad. Across the country. I, yeah. Brian actually had to hear what I go through sometimes because oh. the kids were having a scream fest as oh. we were on the phone earlier. Uh-huh. And I just have to tune it out. Yeah, God bless you. I don't know how. 200-watt amplifier. <laughs> and, and and just dealing with, you know, all the craziness that went on today with yeah. Mike being stuck in but one. But she did it, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's like that's, a, that, that's such an underutilized advantage that these guys have, or wives that can do what she does. Yeah, yeah. 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 War that's Becky. what we do. We're job, a team. Right? Yep. We're the pit crew. <laughs> right on. Well, you do a, you do a great job, and and you did say that Mike is going to be getting anesthesia. He's actually going to be going under for this procedure. Yeah, they put him. Up. I mean, I think the procedure is all of ten minutes, but I think they knock him out for it, from what they told me. 
Wow. I, I mean, he's looked like he's had anesthesia on a couple after-hours shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he knocks down a bottle of Grey Goose, I imagine that's pretty similar to what he's going to look like in a few Ooh. minutes. Let me tell you, he looked like he had anesthesia last night as he was attempting to have conversation on the couch, but his eyes were closed the entire time. That man was exhausted. Yeah, I bet. Just to, yeah. to kind of segue to this Gunnersville event, I mean, he busted his butt at that event, and... I personally just want to give him mad props. I know it did not turn out the way he wanted, the rest of us wanted, but wow, did he give it his all? I mean, he it's not like he had a set pattern that he was fishing the entire time. He went out there every day and refigured it out. I mean, what he found in practice did not pan out on day one, and he just went fishing. The same thing happened day two, day three. Um, I was lucky enough to go out on the water and watch him fish day four. I mean, he busted his butt, and... I mean, I think it's it's a shame the way it all it all panned out, but um, he's fishing really good, and yeah. you know I, I think this is going to roll into the next couple events, which is exciting for all of us like fans. Yeah, that is good. He is fishing good right now, and he's back up near the top where he should be. You know? Yeah. And this is you know this kind of stuff, and we've seen it. I've seen it with Mike before. I know you've seen it too, Beck. When. It, when he gets challenged like this, when he gets hit like this, man, you often see the best come out of that guy. That's true. After after an event like this, and agreed. Uh, you know, this is this is where you find out, you know, who you are and what you're made of. You know, just regular competitors out there, you know, can take a lesson from this because a lot of guys when they get when they have something like this happen, they ta- they can fold. You know, and uh, this is a time to step up, and uh, I'm excited to see what Mike does the rest of this year. Hey Beck, where you guys are going to be at? You, there's a ton of those like. Um those oxygen chambers that people lay in to get themselves healed. You ought to look Hyperbar- in for them. Hyperbaric chambers. <laughs> yeah, man. Seriously. Well, Not in California. I mean, we're heading out to California, yeah. and I'm sure they have majority of them. I'll they have pretty much all of them. Out of the Michael Jackson auction. And <laughs> take yeah, t- come on, T.O. almost won a Super Bowl for the birds with, with an injury that no one else would come back from, sleeping in those things. That's true. Yeah. You know? He heal fast. Well, he's got two weeks to heal. And that that's a good point. Uh because he's this is the reason why you've this is you've opted for this surgery now. Like he didn't this wasn't mandatory that you opted to have it done now for the purposes of him having healing time to be able to compete the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, does well, this is, I, mean, I don't know if he really opted. I think he felt coerced into doing it. But um you know. Was that when you when you left him at the hospital and just took off with the motorhome? <laughs> <No. home? laughs> he could do whatever he wanted. I think she said, "Look, buddy, we're getting this done." Suck up. I've been listening. Like, you guys listen now. First off, he told Bassmaster online that I told him to put on his bleeping big boy panties or something. That was the article for the first day. I told him to be a man and put on his big boy panties. Then he stood on stage day one, day two. I don't remember. I told everyone I beat him with a bat. Yep. yep so yep. apparently <laughs> he feels battered. Well, I'm sure why, I'm sure only having half of his blood flowing in his body had something to do with that. <laughs> why, why is he projecting his pain on you, Becky? Yeah. <laughs> Looking for sympathy. <laughs> Scapegoat. Well, well, as I was speaking to him earlier, he, you know, he was optimistic that getting it done now is going to be the best time in the world to get it done because he's got about two weeks where he doesn't have any obligations to heal. And you got to think about that because once you once you go to California. I mean, it's running and gunning. There's going to be no heel time. He's going to be 
Bill Dance sitting in the sit-down chair trying to trying to fish out on the Delta, you know. And also, Pete, in terms of events, he probably wasn't as optimistic about his chances here as he is the next one on the, on the menu, Havasu. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. – yeah, there's, there's, Well, and here's another topic for some time. I mean, everyone knows – so we've got the Sacramento event and back to back with Havasu, which is 10 hours away, which means that they gave the guys a travel day on Monday. So practice is down to only a day and a half at Havasu. So right. we're talking about some wow. serious exhaustion going on for two weeks with these next two events. Mm. Are you driving the caravan out west? Yes. Oh, my. Yeah, well, we've got we've got a buddy who's going to take the truck and boat for us. Um, and then we're all going to get in just the truck and camper to, to get out to Sacramento, just so we can stop, like show the kids Grand Canyon, the Redwoods, that kind of stuff. It'll just be easier for two weeks to travel in one vehicle, which is, is a blessing, to be honest, because Mike's not supposed to be driving for the next two weeks to heal. So it actually worked out. I'll drive and we'll sightsee. Hey, Becky, I, we know that you're tired, but are you, you got time for a few IM questions? Oh, I love questions. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we got. Um, they want to know, how did the injury happen? Um, Sabine River changing a prop on the very first day. He had to jam the boat backwards up on some rocks. And if anyone's ever changed a prop on the fly, like just the way you have to torque it, um, and, and being on those rocks, he said he was standing funny. He didn't even realize he did it until the next morning when he woke up. But he must have just, I guess the way he, he got his footing in the rocks, he used all his body weight against the knee, and that's how he tore it. Mm. And, and then uh, another person's asking, they want to know if you hit him with a bat again. No, I would have gone with the other knee, and clearly that one's fine, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? <laughs> no. No. And I, I don't even think we have a bat. I mean, do we have a bat? I mean, Carrie has a bat. She says it's kind of a guilty laugh no, that you have going have on bat. over there, Beck. We bought we bought a metal bat. And we have it in the camper. So if anyone tries to break in, I'll beat you with a bat. (laughs) I believe that. You you drive through gun country. What are you going to do with a bat? Yeah. Uh, Oh, we have have a gurney picture. Hold hold it up Uh, to the screen. Hold it up. Let's let's have a look. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Hold that shot. Hold Hold that that shot, shot, Kevin. Bring it it back. I want want full screen. Hang on. Is that bad that I'm laughing and I'm not with him? <laughs> <laughs> At least he's got his daughter by his side. It's I don't his. think that's his daughter. Now that's what the bat attack was all about. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go mod with him, Beck. Who said his daughter? I don't know. Look like one of his girls. I don't know. No, well, who the hell has someone not. in civilian clothes sitting next to him at a hospital? Stroking his hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holding his hand. Combing his beard. What was that about? <laughs> Is that standard procedure? Combing his beard. Standard <laughs> procedure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <was> so wrong. <laughs> so you've been there ten minutes and. Uh, well, you're almost through the first class. You're doing good, Beck. You know, I have some really good friends here, Carrie and Kevin Short, <laughs> and within 10 seconds of walking in the door, this was put in my hand, nice. and my children were taken to run circles. Oh. That's, that's awesome. 
<laughs> she earned it, man. Ten-hour ride. Yeah. Nope. Two babies <laughs> in the car screaming the whole damn time. No I, I wonder what it's going to be like that when you have three babies screaming in the <laughs> car on the way out to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Mike's going to be in the car seat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Poor Stella's going to be sitting in the front. <laughs> <laughs> three well, babies. I'll have to have a connection with some sedatives or horse tranquilizers for the big baby. Just put him in the camper the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'll be doing any hiking, so um, it'll be quiet Grand Canyon redwoods. and I get, But you can uh, sit and fish. So maybe and the sequoias. We'll what was that? I don't know. I'm just thinking of something from the hangover. The sequoia trees, remember when he was talking about the white <laughs> and the grape winery or whatever, the winery? Oh, yeah, yeah the winery. Yeah. I'm sorry, Beck. Sedona Valley? Yeah, we could just drink wine the whole time with the kids. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. How are you going to get Mike from the hospital up to Arkansas? Where's that coming from? So apparently um, tomorrow, as long as he stops every hour, they're going to let him drive to us. Wow. I was, well, uh, that was another reason that I kept driving because my plan was that I was going to get the camper dropped off here and then I would just drive back with the guy who's going to drive the truck and boat because he's flying into Little Rock tonight. He and I would drive back tomorrow. He'd hop in the truck and boat and I'd pick up Mike. But the doctor said as long as he promises to stop every hour that he should be okay to get here. But then after that, he doesn't want him to drive anymore. Yeah, because he's going to stop every hour and make it an 18-hour trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think as long as, I mean, I can jam him in the back seat and he can put the leg up. I think part of it has to do with, like, where the, the leg is to the heart and he needs to move the elevation. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to have to stay off painkillers. I'm not there to ask the question, so I'm just trying to absorb. I have a question for you, Beck. I have a question for you, Beck. Yeah. Okay. Where's that echo coming from? I don't know. Is there an echo? We have an echo. Yeah, we have a, an echo. 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 I don't know. It started. Do you want to see the small children? I kept them alive, and I didn't beat them with that. Yeah, let's see the kids. Before you beat them. Before you beat them. <laughs> That's because you slapped them in the hairline where it don't leave any marks. <laughs> There's Steli. Hi, Steli. Look at her. Can you wave hi, Steli? There she is. <laughs> They're exhausted. Did the kids enjoy time on the road? They do. They do. I, they don't, you know what? They, they actually do really, really well with the long drives. They don't love really well with them. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That was amazing. Yeah. She sounded like the devil a little bit. She did. I got scared and just hung up. <laughs> um, we don't have the echo now, right? No. Okay, not. so this is related to the Skype call. Yeah. Okay. Want to try to get Kevin in next and have him sit down and talk about his tournament yeah. experience Back while that, we got that, that whole thing just got really – I had to hang up on you. We had Beelzebub online. Oh, hold on. All right, go ahead, Beck. The sound's on. Am I okay? Yeah. Oh, you're all better. That's now. better. Yeah, we had some crazy. Sorry. All right, but yeah, no kids. Kids love camping. I mean, think about it. They live outside. They get to play and learn and roll in dirt and all that good stuff. So it's a pretty cool way to raise your kids. Right on. Right on. But, awesome. I don't, but I'm not a teacher, so we will go home when Vegas hits kindergarten. Right. Uh, you're not going to do the homeschool thing. I I know a lot of the other. Uh, 
uh, anglers or some of the other anglers do that. That looks like quite a job doing that. Yeah, there's there's a handful of people out there on the road that are homeschooling. Yeah, I mean, They're without it, we wouldn't have any TV evangelists. So, I mean, we got to have the next generation of those dudes. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Oh, come on. Man, the next generation of those dudes. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. So, Beck, who was more nervous tonight, going into tonight, Mike or uh, or Pete? Probably. Wow. That's a good one, right? That's a really great question. That's a great question. That's easy. Um, I actually think Mike probably is. Pete probably was, and he spiked his coffee, and now he's. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did you weigh? Did you weigh Pete tight yet? We did. We did. Yeah. How Pete? you doing, Pete? Go ahead, well, buddy. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm moving down, Beck, but it's not happening fast. I knocked a half a pound off since I've saw it, right. I, since I've seen you last. That's I'm, all right. I'm down to two forty one point five. You're working on it. You're I'm doing working. good. Yep. It didn't help that you went to Mansu's house and ate oh like my God. for days. Dave Mansu. And, you know, and the Easter Bunny came. So I mean, Pete, how many bunnies and bonbons did you eat? Yep, I know it. And it, uh, it's not carbohydrates, so he can eat it. We uh, we tried it. We <laughs> we did pretty good. I mean, I survived Mansu. Mansu and his wife Andy. We stayed there. We we filmed for Bash University TV. They rolled out the red carpet. They're chefs. They take you know they they've taken a vacation to Italy to learn how to cook. And, uh, man, they, they really know how to do it. And uh, it was hard to get through that week and not gain five, ten. Did pounds. you say they're chefs or they are chefs? They are chefs. Oh, okay. I got it. I mean, you know, that's their hobby. That's their hobby. They're, they're amazing. You. And, uh, yeah, but that, that was great seeing you guys down there. We were all down there in Texas for a little while. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had fun. We had fun. Hang- all right, guys. Well, I'm going to peace out and go be mom now for my kids and get them fed. But uh, I've got Kevin Short here so he can talk fishing with you guys. And I'm really excited that Carl's going to be on and um, yeah. he went AWOL on us. Uh, yeah, he, he, might, he might have big-timed us, and we'll get into that in a bit here. Cause, well, uh, we may have his pants call in. We heard they had a, they, they mounted an escape today, and we're going to get his his extra small pants to call in and Apparently, tell some stories. Pete's uh, Skeet's pants aren't the only thing that's yellow, so <laughs> it's all right. That's all right. Dave, they, they want to know what's on tap tonight. I figure uh, that's best great for you. Question. So what we're, what we're drinking tonight. See you back. Awesome. Bye, Beck. Thanks, Beck. Bye, Thanks kids. for the heads up. I'm watching you. So, <laughs> you are, too. I actually found this beer by accident, guys. It's Oscar Blues, and it's the Pinner. It's the throwback IPA. Got this by accident in a variety pack, and uh, you can only sell it in cans. It's delicious. I recommend trying it out. Yeah, I, I would like to try one. Well, I asked you earlier, and you're like, nah, not yet. No, I was having coffee. It's awesome. Uh, we got to close that door anyway. We got like 40 mosquitoes like flying around I'll my head. It. Do we have the great Kevin Short? No, we have a blank screen. We have a blank screen. Yeah. Well, we hope to have the great Kevin Short. We do. We do. We do. Where's he at? Here comes. Bada bing. Sorry, sorry. All right. (laughs) There he is. Everybody, this is the great Kevin Short, the greatest square bill angler in the history of the world. Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Thanks for being here, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I am uh, most excellent. Had a decent week last week and, uh, you know, got a little paycheck and, uh, man, and now I'm home. And it's, uh, you know, (laughs) it's really nice to be home. So when do you, when do you start your long, when do you start your long drive out to Cali? What's that? When do you start your long drive out to California? 
Well, we're going to leave. Um, I think we're going to leave next Tuesday and go over to uh, Oklahoma and visit and see uh, Ken and Tammy Cook. And uh, they got a. They, Ken's got uh, you know a big ranch over there in uh, western Oklahoma, and they got uh, evidently a coyote infestation. And we're going to work on blasting some coyotes nice. <laughs> and rid the uh, rid the world of rid the world of some more vermin. And uh, then we're going to head west from there. So it's sounds all like good. a good time, man. Well, that was a that was a great Gunnersville tournament. The weights were amazing. The first day there was what twenty or th- almost thirty stringers of twenty pounds or better, yeah. and uh, it, it was hey, an amazing deal. But I'm gonna tell you what, Gunnersville is one of those places that it's it's really you know you, you don't realize it until you go there and actually experience it. But it is amazing the number and the size of fish that it spits out every single day, and the fishing pressure that it gets. I mean, it is just. I, I, I mean, it's it's great, but I don't think anybody around there has a job because they're all out fishing all the time. It, it's it's unbelievable the the amount of traffic that's on that on that lake every single day. And uh, I, you know, I mean, it, it's good for the bait shops, you know, the the tackle stores, all the convenience stores around there selling gas and ice and baits, and you know, the the hotels and the lodges. But it's just you know when you when you go there and experience it and see that and see all the traffic, and then you know and then you have a tournament like the Elite Series show up and you have guys every single day catching 20, 25 pounds. It's like you know you you kind of step back and you ask yourself, how many freaking fish are in this lake? <laughs> yeah, it's a tribute to the fertility of the lake. I mean, you. Oh we, yeah, we get yeah, com- well, the whole you know the whole Tennessee River chain is like that, but you know there's Gunnersville is is kind of like the it's almost like the epicenter you know of uh, of bass fishing when it comes to that you know just for for size and for numbers it's it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, you don't usually get that size and numbers in in the same body no, of water. Usually you get one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one extreme or the other. You get like a ton of numbers, or you get Big fish, but you know Gunnersville just you know right now, man, it's it's got both. I mean, it, it's 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 a good you know for bass fishing, it's a great place to be right. Now. It's in its heyday, and you know you hear about guys, oh, you should have fishing was so good twenty years ago or thirty years ago, and oh, yeah, 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 we're we're seeing Gunnersville and a lot of lakes in the country, man, they're experiencing their heyday right now. Right, yeah, these are the good old, you know, as far as bass fishing in a lot of ways, these are these right now are the uh, are the good old days, you know. So it's it's uh, pretty crazy, and you know, hats off to you know, tip of the cap to Skeet for uh, coming from behind and pulling uh, pulling a, another, uh, you know, taking another blue trophy home. But uh, you know, what the hell, you can't come on Ike Live and. Visit with us about it. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you know, I, you know, I felt really bad for Mike because he led the thing for three days, and then uh, you know, everything just kind of, you know, it's like the wheels. Not only did they come off the last day, but they like blew off. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of got to wonder about that. Was that uh, you know, every everywhere that I saw Mike fishing that week was kind of you know, kind of out a little bit, you know, a little bit offshore. He was kind of more targeting fish that were like going to the bank 
are coming from the bank, but not necessarily up on the bank. And I got to wonder was, you know, on the last day on Sunday, did, you know, all those spots just, I mean, did all the fish leave, you know, and he, and he never could connect with them or was it, you know, was, was it the fact that he had other, you know, like local traffic, you know, like, cause there was, I mean, Saturday and Sunday, both, man, there was like, I don't know how many other, you know, small, small tournaments on the lake. And I, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's their, you know, that's their right. They pay, you know, they they pay just as much for a license as we do. Um, so, I, you know, you kind of got to wonder how much did that play into, uh, you know, to the overall catch rate. So, I mean, it, it was, I mean, it was great to see him leave the third, the first three days and figure stuff out. Cause I'm going to tell you right now from being there every single day was different, man. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, those fish were moving around so much just because of the conditions and the stage of the spawn that they were in. I mean, it was hard to keep up with them every single day. And I was, I was very impressed the first three days that Mike was able to keep up with them and keep catching them. And that was, that was pretty impressive to see. And it really, you know, that, that made it hurt that, you know, that, that made it that much more painful to watch the last three days when it just kind of all went to crap, you know? What were some of the things you found out, Kev? What's that? What were some of the patterns you found out when you were there? What did you figure out? Um, but, you know, there was fish in all – there was fish that had already spawned. There was fish that were spawning. And there was fish that hadn't spawned yet. You know, it was pretty, it, it was pretty crazy. Um, you know, for me, the first – you know, the first day I went out, I mean, I had some fish that were on or around beds and went out and caught, you know, like 14, 15 pounds in like the first 30 minutes of the first day. Uh, and then, I, and then, you know, because of the conditions, I just went look, look for more the rest of the day. And, uh, the, that night we had like torrential rains and wind and there was just a ton of pollen on the air by the end of the or on, on the water by the end of the first day and all that rain kind of washed the pollen into the water so you really i mean it turned the water yellow and all and i had you know i had spent like the last 30 minutes the first day i mean i had located like six or seven fish on the beds and i went out the you know the next morning friday morning and i couldn't see any of them just because of you know all the all the pollen and the you know the, the run in and everything in the water, uh, so I, I mean you know I went for three hours, man. That, you know Friday morning without a bite, and you talk about somebody that was like you know about ready to spin out. Uh, but the, you know I, I had a little place where I'd gotten a few bites, kind of on this little shell bed point, and I ran up there and I thought. And I started dragging, you know, one of those Magnum Ultra Vibe speed worms around, and I had a couple of bites, and I finally caught one. And I had a couple of fish that were just kind of nipping at it, and it's like, okay, you know, I got my I got my butt whipped a couple of weeks ago at uh, at Ross Barnett because I didn't slow down and do the old man drag the ball and chain, you know, the old Carolina rig. I didn't do that, and I thought, you know what, I'm not doing that crap again, okay? So I dropped power poles and dug me out, dug me around in there, and found me a little swivel and tied me up a stupid Carolina rig. <laughs> <laughs> that is the stupidest way to catch a fish. I mean, I it, it is so simple, so basic. But I'm going to tell you what, 
I tied me up a little Carolina rig. I had me a couple of packs of, of uh, Zoom. Come on. Truce on the tank, and I caught 15 and a half pounds off of one freaking stump. Right wow. I mean, I never moved the boat, man. I had the poles down, kept casting to the same stuff, caught me 15 and a half pounds, and I'm like, you know what? I probably just saved the day right there. But, I, but I mean, every single day, every every day was different. I go out the next morning, and I catch, you know, I catch me a little lemon on the Carolina rig, and then it's like it's done. They won't bite it anymore. And I go to four or five other places that, I, you know, it's the same type of stuff, but I just can't get them to bite it. I mean, it's it's like they're they're gone. So then, you know, I had to, to upgrade any. I had to get up on the bank and look for some more. I mean, it was just – it's that time of year. You know, in the spring, that's pretty typical because the fish are moving, man. They're, you know, they got one thing on their mind. They're not concerned about feeding. They're concerned about one thing, and that's making babies. And when they're concerned – and, I mean, they're just like us. When we're concerned about making babies – Hey, everything else is like, it nothing, doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. So other than that Carolina rig, was there any other go-to bait that you had throughout the week? Man, I caught everything, you know, the the whatever, 52 pounds or whatever, everything came off of two baits. One was that, you know, a green pumpkin, six-inch lizard on a Carolina rig. Um, and the other one was, well, actually three different baits. I was throwing a, a Zoom um, trick fluke. No. What the hell is that thing called? Fluke stick. Fluke stick. The little, you know, a little <laughs> stick worm. Yeah. A zoom fluke stick, rigging it wacky style, and I'd throw that at fish, you know, either what I thought were beds or fish that I could actually see. Okay. I mean, I'd throw that and then, uh, you know, the old uh, Cinco, you know, the diehard Cinco. Yeah. And, it, you know, just. Man, you know, it was simple fishing. It was just a matter of getting those five-pound bites. And the first day, I was fortunate enough that I got two of those five-pound bites. The second day, I got one, you know, five and a quarter, five and a half. Uh, and the third day, I mean, everything was just, you know, just a just a typical ho-hum three-pounder, you know? Well, wow. I, what, do you, what do you think of this um, uh, this swim bait thing that's going on? I mean, obviously, Skeet and Byron – through giant swim baits this week we saw uh, steve kennedy win at clear lake on a swim bait and and skeet won at smith mountain on a swim bait for years the the swim bait thing was like a recipe for finishing last in the tournament you were like a hero <laughs> or a zero uh when you were a swim bait yeah. guy but it, it seems like man it seems like swim baits are, are are almost they're having their heyday right now on the elites what do you think well, you know, it's it's funny you should mention that because Monday, the first day of practice, I go out and I've got, I mean, I've got a bunch of different baits tied on, but the first bait that I pull out is a six-inch swim bait, okay? And I just start going down the bank and I'm looking, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at kind of little transition areas, you know, like steep, steep banks coming into flat pockets. And I actually, I mean, the first little stretch that I pull up on I mean, I catch one that's like four pounds, and I go about 20 feet, and I catch another one that's like seven and a half. And I'm like, hey, this might, there might be something to this. So, I, you know, at that point, I think, man, you know, a guy could win this on a swim bait. If he could just, if he could just stay with the fish, he could win it on a swim bait. Well, then, 
I start fishing docks, okay, and fished a bunch of different docks on, on the same type stuff, little steep banks that, that run into flats and had, you know, at that point, after, after catching, you know, a couple of decent fish like that, I mean, I like buried the hook, took the hook off, that kind of thing, and I'm just looking for bites, you know, just throwing it, trying to get bites on it. And I got a bunch of bites that first day. Um, the second day, I fished it a little bit, but I was like looking more for, hey, you know, what what can I do to catch 15 to 18 pounds to, you know, to go with a couple of these big bites that I feel like I can get on a swim bait. And it was, for me, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't stay with those swim bait fish. And I don't, I don't have the experience at throwing that thing that Skeet does. And a lot of those West Coast guys fishing, I mean, and you know, that, that whole mentality there, I mean, those guys from fishing at the Delta, from fishing at Clear Lake, from fishing at all those places that have lots of four to six pound fish, which is, you know, when you're talking six, seven inch swim baits, that's what you're fishing for is a four to six pound fish or bigger. Okay. And those guys have a ton of experience. And when we run into those tournaments like Amistad, like Gunnersville right now, where there's just a wad of those four to six pound fish. Hey, if if those guys, if that group of guys that has all that experience catching that size fish on the swim bait, if they figure out how to catch them, guess what? You're going to get your butt waxed. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it sure, it sure, it sure did. But we've seen it so many times where, man, they just fall on their face because it's it's a hero or zero deal. But boy, here at Gunnersville, it held up for four days, and uh, and Skeet won, and and he attributed it to his roommate and, and great friend Byron Velvet for turning them on to the bait and and that swim bait bite. And uh, you know, do, what do you think? How much how much of his winnings do you think he's going to share with Byron? <laughs> I would say probably not a dime. <laughs> not a dime. He'll let him not try on the yellow pants. <laughs> Do you think he gets dinner, a donut, anything? Yeah, well. I got nothing there, brother. Sorry. Yeah, that that was pretty cool, though. I mean, roommates roommates share information. Do you do you have anybody like that on, on the trail? Anybody on the tour that, that you share information that closely with? You know, I really don't. I mean, I've always... Uh, Bait your own hook, right? Man, I've always kind of done my own thing because I fish a lot different than most other guys. And every time that I've tried to work with somebody or use somebody else's, you know, information or pattern or whatever, it just, man, it's it's gone. uh, I mean, it's gone like foobar, like you wouldn't believe. So it just, you know, and. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with guys working together. Um, that's, you know, it's well within the rules. And there's a lot of guys that it, it works. You know, the, the most, uh, probably the ones that it works the best for is McClellan and Creek. Now, they've, you know, they've been doing it for years. But their their fishing styles are very, they're similar, yet they're different in, in a lot of ways. But they, they work real well together and they're great friends. Uh, and I, I've just never found anybody that, uh, you know, I guess I'm kind of, uh, I, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of weird like that. I've never found anybody that, that I really, uh, you know, that I really work well with. And I just go do my own thing, you know, and when mm-hmm. I catch them, 
hey, it's because I figured out how to catch them. And when I don't catch them, it's because I screwed up and didn't figure out how to catch them. You know, it's 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 all you know, it's all me. Kev, did you ever try uh, Grinder to find that special someone? <laughs> now, I missed that one. What was that? No, don't ask. <laughs> Never mind, dude. <laughs> He's trying to hook you up with a dating site. <laughs> we we got a couple IM questions up here. Kevin, are you ready to handle some IM questions? Yeah, hang on. Let me shut the door. The Iconelli kids are like screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Always. Okay, get me. Okay, do, do you ever watch South Park? Do you ever watch South Park? No. Very, I mean, I have watched it, yes, but it's not the, a show that I tune into regularly. The guys on here just want you to say, could you say jerk baits? Mm okay. <laughs> jerk bait? Nah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mackey. Uh, Mr. Mackey. Did you, uh, I, I got one of the guys asked, and I don't know anything about this, at the Sabine River weigh-in, Kevin had a little rant. What was going on with that? Did he know uh, I plead the I fifth. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank there. All right. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And then another guy asked, which me and you've talked about this in the truck, but uh, how do you like your new house? Well, the new house is, uh, you know, I got to tell you, the new house is like, it, it's way nicer than we deserve. I mean, we we still walk in. You know, every time we walk in, we just kind of – Carrie and I both just kind of look around and go, holy smokes, man. This is like – I mean, I mean, this it's – you know, I don't even know how to, how to explain it or how to put it into words, but it's one of those deals where, you know, the, the process, the journey to get here was like – uh, you know, not anything that you would want anybody that you know that you know or love, or even that you don't love, to 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 have to go through. But the end result is like, damn, this is really nice, you know. Um, and, and thankfully, you know, the biggest thing there is thankfully we had, uh, you know, we had really good insurance, um, and they were very easy to work with, and. You know, I, I just, you know, we had a great, a, a great guy that uh, that built our house. Uh, you know, a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, fished with, uh, you know, way back in the day, and uh, I, you know, it's just, dude, I'm gonna tell you what, all is good in the, the Casa de Peak. Right no, on, it, it really is. What, what insurance uh, company do you have, Kev? Because every insurance company I ever dealt with throws nickels around like manhole covers. So what insurance company <laughs> was generous to you? <laughs> I need to know because yeah. I need that insurance. <laughs> but, but, hey, and, and that's, you know, that's one thing that, you know, everybody that owns a house, you know, there, there's two things, you know, there's two things that you really need to do. Uh, you need to make sure that your house you know, that the structure is covered for as much as it's worth, if not more, and make sure that the contents is covered for more than you think you have in the house, okay? Because whatever you have, it, you know, in the case of a total loss, you know, God forbid, you know, your house could, should burn down or get, you know, blasted by a tornado or something like that. But you got to, you, you know, insurance is one of those things where you got to figure worst case scenario, what's going to happen and plan for that. Not just, 
what do I think that I can afford right now? But, and, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of got to look at it, you know, long, you know, in the worst case scenario. And, yeah, you got to live within your means and all that. But still, um, you know, don't 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 underinsure your house. Okay, because uh, that's I mean, we saw, you know, some, some of the neighbors that were like that. And I mean, that's a that's a really that's a really sad thing to see when, uh, yeah. you know, when they're when they're struggling with their insurance company. So, yeah, don't don't do that. Hey, and one two last things before I jet out of here, and go eat dinner and let you guys, you know, go off and do whatever you do. Uh, <laughs> whatever this is called. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. I'm nominating Becky Iaconelli for Bass Wife of the freaking year. I agree. Okay. <laughs> one, okay, and right for two on. reasons. Yep. Number one, for dragging that 40-foot fifth wheel across the country, okay? Yep. I mean, she is – I'm just going to tell you, that woman has a set right there. Okay? <laughs> yeah. They are big and hairy. We all, all right? know that. <laughs> we watched her We watched her she get has, up on a wakeboard the very that. first try. Do you guys I'm remember just, that? Hey, all the folks at home – Becky Iaconelli, you don't want to mess with her, okay? No. <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, number two, hey, when you get Carl on here, ask him about those shorts. Ask him about those Tommy Biffle shorts that he wears, okay? Yeah. Does he? With that, <laughs> you got it, Captain. <laughs> He's got like Tommy Biffle shorts. I mean, yeah, they're a little bit longer, but I mean, dude is like a size. I don't know, a size thirty-two. And the shorts are like 28. <laughs> well, I noticed the shirts are a little bit small too, so we're going to address. We'll dress. We'll dress the attire. It's somebody for the high kick. Ask, somebody needs to ask him what's up with that. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be on it, Kevin. We appreciate you being out here. Do you want to tell the folks at home how they can follow you on Twitter, on Facebook? Hey, the easiest way to follow me is um, Facebook, Kevin Short. Dot K pink. Okay. Awesome. And I think on uh, Twitter, it's at, I don't even know what it is on Twitter at Kevin underscore short. Maybe yeah, find Facebook it. is <laughs> Kevin short. K pink. Right. Check it out. Send me a, uh, send me a message, uh, post on the page. I try to, uh, try to answer every single one of them myself. I mean, if you ever, if you ever see anything on Facebook or see anything that's supposedly written by Kevin short, I can promise you one thing. It was written by Kevin Short. Right on. Nobody else. You got right. it, buddy. Hey, well, wish you the best on the California swing, buddy. Yeah, Good Kevin luck Short. out there. Kevin Short, everybody. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, I like Kevin. He's one of my favorite guys we have on the show. I like him yeah, a lot. Yeah, same here. He's, he keeps it real. And for those of you that may not know uh, what he's talking about, he has a brand new house. And he he lives in Tornado Alley, and man, he was away at a tournament, and his house got wiped out, a hundred percent complete loss, uh, lost everything but his gun case, which they yeah. found in the pond. Yeah, that story was <laughs> awesome. Door. Yeah. So yeah. as we were watching it, guys, tell me, did he not? Did it not look like Kevin Bacon talking as Mr. Mackey? <laughs> like the hair. It was the, Kevin Bacon and the, hair. And, yeah, and intellectual glasses. We had another mm-hmm. comment okay. said uh, William H Macy from Shameless. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. He totally looked like a musician, you know, like yeah, the yeah. musician look. Man, I wish I could. I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I always seem to manage the fat truck driver look, but 
He's got <laughs> the, the musician truck look. Truck look. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a look about him. It's great to have him on. It's great to hear Becky's, uh, you know, take on what's yeah. going on with Mike, and uh, hopefully we'll get some word as we're going through the show about what's going on. But uh, he talked about Mike's pattern and how he adjusted. I talked to Mike about it, the deal. Man, he he was catching fish deep going into that Gunnersville deal and uh, catching them out on the break lines and pre-spawn or, you know, pre-spawn areas, deeper stuff, not necessarily break lines. But uh, uh, during the during the tournament, he never caught a fish out that way, and he had to adjust. And just, just like you were talking about, making an adjustment, moving up shallow and just constantly changing his uh, pattern, using used a vibration jig on day one and, and switched up to a lizard on day two and Carolina rigged on day three. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just switching up, switching up, switching up. That's what they all had to do, you know? I couldn't imagine uh, swim baiting for a pattern in an entire tournament. Mm. Like, I've never tried it. You know, it's just outside my realm of what I would go for. It, it, I've done it a few times. And, uh, you know, I'll be flat out honest with you. I've been penalized more than I've benefited from it. Uh, because there's so much has to come your way in order for that to happen. You have to have these these great conditions where where you know fish are stable or moving into a positive direction in order for that big fish bite to keep happening. Yeah. And what happens during most tournaments? Something bad, you know, something like weather, cold Goofy front. Goofy cold front, exactly. Yeah, stained water. I've had, I was on, I've been on swim bait patterns uh, a few times, and we've had rain events that have stained up the water, and it'll kill. Just about anything will kill a swim bait bite. Yeah. But, uh, but when, but when, you know, they had four days of conditions that benefited that bite, and it's unusual to see it. You know, I, I never even really had one that I like. Like, I would love to have a go-to swim bait. Yeah. Like, I have a go-to everything else. I don't have a go-to swim bait. Right. Did you notice? Um, or I noticed uh, with Velvic when he he would thread on the swim bait, and then he took scissors and cut the belly of it. And I noticed that with the live footage, mm-hmm. he would thread that swim bait on there, thread the weight on, feed the hook through, and then he cut the belly between the hook and the head. So the hook had freer range to Ooh. pop loose. Maybe, maybe it had nothing to do with that, but more affected the, the the body way it swam i don't know i i just i well, don't know if say, anyone else saw a that. lot of those bait a lot of those baits and i i'm i'm guilty of not knowing exactly i should it's probably printed by now but i think it was a bass tricks yeah seven inch bass ba- tricks. bait that he was throwing yeah and 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 those baits are hollow belly like the old berkeley hollow belly right right in order to rig them you've got to you've got to pierce the bait to to slip your rigging in there but in terms of commitment, I don't know. Yeah, maybe if maybe if one of those California guys would have called in, we could have asked him, you know. But, <laughs> oh, I, I did. Whatever. Skeet finally got back to me. Check us out. I uh, I threatened him a little bit. <laughs> I'll re- I'll re- let me read this to you. So I sent him a message earlier today. Didn't hear nothing back. I sent him another one. Hey, Skeet, it's Brian from Mike Live. We're live. Still like to have you on. We have perfect attendance on getting the champions on the show. Hate to have to roast you for not being on. You seem like such a nice guy. <laughs> Shockingly, he gets right back to me. No go tonight. Just got home and family has been waiting. When's the next show? I uh, said, uh, and, and I believe he did fly today. So okay. I believe he had somebody, he had a chauffeur drive his, his truck and his rig back and he took his personal jet home. So uh, he's probably jet lagged and tired. I get it. Yeah. So I told him no problem. We'll, uh, we'll refocus on Byron. So hey, you know, let's I, send the hate towards, I love towards Byron. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've se- I've seen Skeet. He's a family man, and he's committed to his family. And when you've been away that long, you want to come home and celebrate with him. Uh, I could certainly understand. You know, I know when I get home after a long trip like that, you know, I I I unplug. I unplug from the grid. 
you, know, you got to do that sometimes. You know, I know I know Mike does it when he's on the road. He's got to unplug from the grid well, in I order to be able to compete. There goes a whole pile of male bottle blonde jokes. So I guess we got to now <laughs> go over to Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> Byron Byron's been a swim bait guy. Uh, I set the record out there in California. I believe he still has it for a three day Bassmasters tournament uh, with with the heavyweight record uh, fishing fishing a swim bait. How about it? Yeah. We uh we've got Carl. He's about ready to come on. I just got something from uh, Ike here. I want I want to share with everyone here and everyone at home. So give me a second here. Pete, I, Pete, have you ever fished uh, Gunnersville? I have fished it a number what, of times. What's what about you, Dave? Not never, never got out that way. What's what's the water like down there? Is it clear? Is it you know? It's got good clarity. It's got see a, that? It's got stain to it. And, uh, <laughs> Yo, there he is. He's watching the show on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Mike? Thumbs up, buddy. <laughs> Get better soon. But uh. Yeah, it's 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 full of grass. They were commenting that there's a lot of eelgrass growing in the lake now, but it's it's always been a you know milfoil uh, dominated. It's got hydrilla in it as well, and uh, it's got a stain to the water. A lot of flats, a lot of uh, typical Tennessee River stuff where you've got the river channels and it spills over into these massive flats, big creeks. Um, man, it's just you know I've fished it uh, probably three or four or five times. I can't remember, but. Every time you fish it, it's it's just an absolute experience. I remember one of the coldest days I've ever fished, ever, <laughs> with icicles hanging from my sonar, catching some of the biggest pre-spawn bass I've ever caught, and that was done on Lake Gunnersville. It's a special place. That whole Tennessee River is. This is off topic, and not to switch gears, but somebody just said that they I messaged in that the Delta had 36 pounds win a tournament this weekend. Wow. That is wow. nuts. <clears throat> yeah. Well, the Delta's wow. got big ones. Delta's got 10-pound bass. You know, wow. Delta's a big fish fishery. The big handicap, and we, and we didn't get to talk to Kevin about it, but uh, you know, they're launching so far away from the fishable water uh, that that's gonna that's gonna throw a little curve into their machine out there. Uh, you know, having to run 45 minutes before you can even start fishing well, out there. And how much will Mike's leg affect his ability to run? Well, he's not going to run the boat. He's just trying. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's not going to heal that quick. You're going to be dealing with pain and having yeah. to take meds. Two weeks is not that long a time to heal. Right I mean, leg or left right leg? With our backs. I mean, you know how. Oh it is, my god! Bro. Yeah. Come on, brutal. Speaking of uh, big sacks, uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, our friend uh, Johnny Venor on the flats this weekend or like yesterday. That. Yeah. Twenty-seven pounds. 27 pounds, 27 pounds on the upper Chesapeake Bay where, where the elites will be visiting here this August. Wowzers. More importantly, in studio, Brian L.L. Bean Stockle. <laughs> First place this weekend at the Salem Canal with Bob Soley. On the Sabine with you Bob Soley. Yeah, the yeah. New Jersey Sabine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you guys yeah. were winners down there. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was yeah. fun. Only if we could get to that from the river, Pete. Yeah, right. That'd be where everyone goes, man. I mean, oh, yeah, imagine yeah. the river yeah. fish being able to make that a home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. amazing. How much were – did you have, what, 27, 36 pounds? How much did you it's, have for your five down there? It's all relative. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's relative to the uh, to the venue. 28.5. <laughs> Seven and a half. Seven and a half. <laughs> yes. Five fish. Yeah, five fish. done. We probably should have had about 12 pounds. We fished really bad, and we figured we'd blow it, and then we realized that nobody else even got bites. So we had 50-degree water. It was muddy. Um, it was mid. It was 62 degrees earlier in the week. So we had cold water, muddy water. There was a 
There was a tournament the day before. Yeah, this is not a big body of water, so it was tough. Yeah. So it was pretty cool that we figured something out, being that, you know, haven't been on the uh, Salem Canal in quite a few years. Yeah. yeah. So if you're vacationing and, you know, you say based on what we've learned today, you have the California Delta, Lake Gunnersville, or this Great Salem Canal. Yeah, uh, people beautiful Salem County, New Jersey. <laughs> and catch seven pounds. But, uh, hey, a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to the Lee brothers who were, uh, who are friends of the show. And um, we had them on here. They, they're rookies on the Elite Trail. Uh, Matt Lee uh, came out in the boat with me down at Toledo Bend, and we filmed some instructional stuff for Bash University TV, and we'll be putting that stuff out. But both checked at their home lake, Gunnersville, this week, uh, uh, Jordan made made a rookie mistake. He had six fish in the uh, in the live well on day one and suffered a two pound penalty uh, for that. As did Paul Elias, and I believe there were four guys penalized in that tournament for having six fish in their live well. That has to be a record. I think I think it might be. Wow. But, uh, but even with the penalty, Jordan still made a check, and as did Matt. And Jordan got a check at the Sabine. Matt just missed. They're both sitting, like, in the top 20 in the Angler of the Year race in the rookie year. Pretty impressive stuff. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh... Good job, guys. Pete? Yeah. I just wanted you to know that you're getting a lot of positive feedback. People are saying uh, you look great and that you're losing weight, and uh, they're happy about it. Nice. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. People, we're working on it. We're getting that weight down. We're trying. You know, it's tough when you get old, man. It just oh my does God, not come off, man! I'm telling you, year five years ago, I, I I knocked it off so much easier, and then uh, even easier before then. I hate that about me. I just have a, uh, you know, I put weight on, take it off. It's not real healthy, but I'm I'm finding at 47 that it's harder than it's ever been in my life. But I'm getting it off, and uh, and I'm going to try to keep it off. I want to I want to get down to my goal weight's 200 pounds, 200 pounds. I still got a long way to go, yeah. boys and girls. You'll weigh uh, less than me. Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get down to 200 pounds. I'm gonna try to do it uh, by by July 5th, by my birthday. That's probably about 400 less cheese sticks you got to eat that you were munching on earlier. <laughs> 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 hey, we uh, just let you know what's going on back here. Ah, uh, look at him. What do you got? What's he driving? He's driving. That's what? awesome. <laughs> I, He's driving. I think missing is a beer in his hand. <laughs> so I think my man just pulled over and. Uh... Are we on? Yeah. Hey, Carl. This is Pete Gluzak. Welcome to Ike Live. Hey guys, good to good to be here. That's awesome. Thanks for uh, having me on. Cool. Oh, man, we're so excited to talk to you. For those of you that don't know, Carl is from Australia. He's the first ever uh, competitor in the Bassmaster Elite Series, really, I think, in any professional tournament series from from Australia, and uh, coming fresh off a top 12 finish at Gunnersville is amazing. Wow. Hey, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was an uh, insane, insane week. <laughs> <laughs> hey Carl, is it Jacobson? Is that how you pronounce your last name? Uh, Jacobson. Jacobson. Okay. Well, I tell you, you know, it's a, it's a really a great story. We appreciate you being here on the show, and uh, we, unfortunately, uh, our boy Ike is in the hospital. I didn't know if you knew or you heard the earlier parts of the show, but yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, Mike Mike's gone through a, a 
procedure on his leg, and it looks like a minor procedure, so he should be good to go uh, here later on tonight. But for right now, he's under the knife. So uh, you're talking with me and the boys here in the studio, and and we appreciate you being here. But uh, but man, what what? what how was that making your being here on the elites making your first top 12 how's that feel it was a uh yeah pretty hard to explain because it's just so it just doesn't it's it just seems like a dream you know can't like i've been i've been dreaming about that exact situation since i was 15 years old and um to to actually be living something that you've worked almost your whole life for is a um is a weird kind of thing but i've like imagined it and dreamt about it and relived it in my head so much that it actually felt natural when i was actually there doing it it was um i just i soaked up every little second of it and uh i I really didn't want that week to end it was a, a, a biggest and most special week um in my entire life well, you were you were a crowd favorite. I mean, I found myself pulling for you, and it was it was pretty cool to see. But you said since you were 15. Now here you are. You're you're living in Australia, I imagine, at 15 years old. And are, is that is that how you got introduced to the Bassmasters? I mean, how did that happen? Yeah, so we we used to have Bassmasters play on ESPN um, back in Australia. So I grew up watching Van Dam and and. Um, and you know the way he fished and i i learned you know i bought kevin van dam spinnerbait tips dvds and uh we have we don't have large mouth or small mouth in australia and what happened was a guy steve morgan he owns uh it's called australian bass tournaments and he he came to america i think in uh 98 i think and he watched um, some of the Bassmaster tournaments, and he he came back to Australia and almost replicated, um, and and then and made you know made a little bit different, but started almost like a Bassmaster in Australia for our bass, and it was it it got really popular very fast, and in 2001 it started in 99. In 2001, I fished my first event as a non as a co angler, a non boater. And, you know, and it grew, just grew from there. And, you know, we, we kind of, Australia almost um, mimics a little bit of like a, like America. When America does something big, we, um, so we, you know, when a technique or something would come out in America, we would do it in Australia. And we, we, we're also good innovators as well because our fish are a little bit, uh, a lot different, um, but, but the same as well. Like they eat some, some of the same techniques, but very more, um, finesse approach mm. and yeah so so I grew up you know with Kevin Van Dam and so, and being my hero and Ike and Helly and all that and and since I was and what happened was for our like what we we call it a grand final but our Bassmaster Classic the prize was an expenses paid trip to go to America and fish a tournament of your choice <laughs> and so when that came I thought that that I made that my that was my lifelong dream. I wanted to come to America and compete, and it took me it took me almost ten it took me ten years. I fished every single ABT tournament every single year for ten years straight, and um, I think after when I started being a pro at seventeen, I 
in points wise, like Bass fan style points, I was the number one angler for ten years, and then I won Angler of the Year um, 2006, 2008, and 2010, and then finally in 2010 I won the the our classic end AOY and then that's when I got the chance to actually come to America and fish. Wow. Carl, how old are you? Um I'm thirty. Okay. Wow now are you married, Carl? Do you have any children? I'm not, no, no. This is uh <laughs> I've lived a pretty solid single life for uh since I've been here yeah. we're, we're gonna get into that. <laughs> we're gonna get into that single life. Because Carl, you're talking to a bunch of married guys with kids that haven't been relevant in probably about fifteen years, uh, you know, together. So this is true. we're gonna ask you some of that stuff, but let's let's do some fishing for now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, well it's it's it may have kind of changed in the last couple of weeks, just Uh-oh. so you know. <laughs> uh, oh, do you have someone in the car with you? No, no, right, no, but she's probably, she's probably listening. <laughs> Damn it. Come on, dude. We, we, get, we finally get a young, in-shape guy, good-looking guy on trail, and he's got someone that's listening. We can't even live vicariously through you. Come on, dude. Get Palinick on the phone. <laughs> we need a story. We need a story. All right, well, all right so listen. So, well, you know what I found interesting about you, Carl, was you almost had a GoFundMe site on Facebook. Would you care to explain how you went about that, and how much money did you get from that? Uh, what was it? The fun? The yeah, you had you had like a, what we call a GoFundMe site. We, we, on Facebook, oh, yeah, you yep. were raising funds for your professional endeavors. Yep. So, um, that was that was at the end of uh, last year, because when I, I made the Elite through the Central Opens, I had... Um, I pretty much at the end of this is my fifth year, so I fished the Bassmaster Opens for four years straight. Um, my second year, I missed the elites by one point, mm. which was uh, was end up being the best thing that ever happened to me because I would have just got slaughtered if I had made the elites in my second year. Right. And um, you know, big life lessons, you know, about that sort of thing when your worst things that ever happened to you in life i believe in the end you look back and it's it always works out to be the best thing that ever happened and at the time if you realize that um it's just pointing you in a different direction and if i'd have made the elite to my second year here i probably wouldn't be here now i would have just got killed but um pretty much at the end of last year every year i've gone totally broke like at the very end of the year i'm like just can't even get fuel in my truck to get to the airport to fly home my tickets always paid home and i'm just like living on the last inches of my funds before i'd go home and even and i made the elites and that's still how it was and then i was fishing gonna go and fish norman had the money to fish norman then i was going home to um try and sort out you know sponsorship and everything for this year for the elites and my truck got broken into and um and they stole everything they stole my um passport and i lost my visa and they it it was like almost fifteen twenty thousand dollars worth of kind of stuff that they stole and where'd that happen australia pretty much rallied together and put a um and killed the thieves fundraiser (laughs) and yeah they just we had incentives through my sponsors and just the whole fishing community came together and they raised over twenty thousand dollars for me that's pretty cool that's awesome yeah yeah terrible thing to happen where where did that happen at uh in atlanta um shocking yeah it was just a bad thing like i got it was kind i've done two things over here and like out of sight and stuff doesn't get stolen and i left a 
um, my like Pelican case on my seat that I have my GoPro stuff in. Mm. And the night before, we stayed in a bad kind of area. So I put, I like, I wasn't happy with where the truck and boat was. So I thought, I'm going to take everything that I, in my whole life, because my whole life is in my truck. Like, there's, I don't own anything anywhere else. It's just my whole head, everything is inside my, my truck. So I put anything that I thought I don't want to get stolen into one backpack, and I just loaded it. So I had this big backpack full of um, my MacBook. Brandon bought me a MacBook Pro to do my GoPro stuff on as a sponsorship thing. He's been a huge supporter. I had iPad. All my um, all my hard drives, photos. I had all my credit cards, and I had my passport and US visa. Mm. So my whole backpack was just loaded. All my GoPros, everything. So you gave and, them an um, express line to steal all your shit, huh? You left it yeah, in the truck. Yeah, and then I, I yeah. took that into the hotel the next morning, come out, put it in the feet on the feet of the passenger seat, and just drove through. Got something to eat somewhere. I was 30 yards from the truck walk back out and the window was sitting in my seat and uh-huh. everything was gone wow i'm sorry uh, to hear that man yeah that's all right it's that, um it's all good like do you wear like a like a mick dundee knife on your hip that you could have maybe got him with like if you had seen it going down <laughs> yeah that i reckon i would have i would have attempted to run him down if i knew if i knew he had that backpack because <laughs> if you threw that accent at somebody in atlanta they wouldn't know they might think oh man i ain't messing with this dude they don't it, um, talk like that around it here. actually worked one time i was in uh, i don't know where i was, it was a couple of years ago and one of those things where i didn't really know the area i was in and it was like four o'clock in the morning and i got up to i was making like a two-day drive to an event and i mate i pulled over to get something to eat it was still dark and this guy beelined for me when i was coming out i had food in one hand and I had my wallet. I had food and a drink in one hand. I had my wallet, phone, and keys in the other hand. And it was like when I had, where I paid with cash, I like stuffed it into the, my wallet, and it was all like hanging out of my wallet. And I'm Chum. like walking towards my truck, and he Chum. sees me and just beelines for me. Yeah. Got in between me and the truck, just started, and he was just crazy. Like he was, I 100%. He was just about to just snatch at my stuff. And I said, I started talking to him pretty abruptly in my accent and threw him right out. Like, <laughs> I kind of pushed him out of the way and opened my truck and shut it. And he, like, just stood there. But the accent kind of just backed him off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, Carl, I'm looking at some of your stats here, dude. You seem to own Ross Burnett Reservoir, which is shocking to me. Like, coming from another country and being able to go to a very difficult body of water in an open event twice. Getting fourth place finishes. Do you care to explain about anything about that? Why why is that place so special to you? Uh no, I've only had I've only fished there one I only fished there once. I had well, what one the hell? fourth place. <laughs> so, Dave's got bad yeah, stats. Yeah, yeah, don't don't mind our stats. So you got what you know what? Yeah, it's one more fourth place at Ross Burnett than you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, you care to explain? <laughs> Ross, um, you know, I've over the last I can tell you in four years I've tried Every, all different things with fishing, getting help, not getting help, and doing all different things. And every every single event in four years, including Gunnersville, the only ones that I've ever done good at is when I've gone in with no help from anyone. They're the only that it's every single time. Like I've literally never done well when I've tried to get help on that body of water, and it like. There's something that throws then out, gives me preconceived stuff, and I don't search for then what I like to do. 
and for some reason, like Ross Barnett just went into it, no pre-practice, nothing, just put four solid days on there, and um, and just work. You know, I I worked with Gene Eisman from Hydrowave. He had a deal going, and I had a frog deal going, and the weather switched both days, and I just, you know, it was just one of those fisheries where I could do what I what I kind of know, you know, and mm-hmm. and and I'm, I'm confident with with the frog and and swimming. They um, that was uh, yeah, that was two different techniques that just worked for me that I understood. Yeah, the two that jumped out were uh, was was Ross Bennett for me, and 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 Smith Lake. I mean that. That is stacked with locals down there, and he went and got 11th yeah. place. What do you got? Yes. Smith Lake, it was good to me because um, spotted bass are probably as close to Australian bass as as you could get. And it, that clear water, like in Australia, we I fish, um, you know, towards the end of my career in Australia, we were, I was starting to fish two-pound braid with four-pound leader because we fish a lot of braid leader. And so, and like, and you're catching, you know, four plus pound fish on that. And Australian bass go hard. Like, they don't jump. They 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 don't jump, but they will scream, drag off, and run you like straight into the nearest timber. So, two pound braid with four pound lead on you're fighting a four pound plus hard fighting fish. That's how I, um, that's how I grew up fishing. You had to fish that light to get bites in. Um, when wow. I seen the watercolor clear at Smith, that's you know I just went into kind of finesse mode, and I, I was I was throwing a sw- little swim bait the first two days on spin gear. I think I was using uh, four pound braid with eight pound leader, and just like a little tiny skinny dipper, and I was skipping it like all around the docks and stuff, just super light. And that's actually what happened to me when I first came over. Like if this, my, when I won the trip, I fished the U.S. Open at Lake Mead. And um, just as a co-angler, but it's like joint weight, and the water's there. You could see the bottom in 30 feet, and I used a I used two pound braid with uh, four and six pound leader, and I just got like I caught every single fish from a pros every day, and um wow. and we and it just it was like crazy. Like I just killed it, and on the third day I drew Fred Rombanis, and you know I, I Fred was like a legend in my books he'd won a hundred thousand dollars on a frog and i'd watched him on espn and i drew him and we went out and yeah i caught i think i caught four fish and fred was just freaking out because they were all good ones and he took me to an area that where he thought it had big fish and i end up catching almost a four pounder on two pound braid six pound leader and it got me hung in the grass and i got it out got me big bass and i came second as a co-angler and Fred jumped from 27th to 10th and we just had like the time of our life and I just fell in love with this country and with the fish and I understood I just seemed to understand largemouth I just loved them and Fred gave me the confidence he said he thought I had what it took to make it over here when he saw kind of how I fished and I went home and made a few decisions and then sold everything i owned and moved over here that's awesome well fred fred's a friend of ours he's a friend of the show we love uncle freddie uh and yeah you know, i got a did you spend some time with fred did he mentor you or did you guys spend any time together after that experience after you met him went straight after that i kind of lost contact with him a little bit and then um and i only i had one contact uh was gary boyd a guy that has come over to australia and and fished for our barramundi and bass and 
he lived in LA, so I worked through him, and I worked also through Skeeter, through um, Skeeter Australia helped me get in contact with Skeeter America, and the trip I won was called the Skeeter Trip of a Lifetime, and um, and so that we got to see the factory and stuff, and talk to the guys there at Skeeter, and they, before I even did well at the US Open or anything, they said if I'm going to come over, they would have a boat for me to use, and so things started piecing together, and. I, I moved over and moved to LA and fished like Havasu, the Delta, Pyramid, um, all those kind of California lakes for about eight months. But because it was all one bass out there and there was no Bassmaster events, and I, I, I sort of kind of realised that you had to come east um, to get involved in all of that. And um, about eight months into it, I um, I packed up my truck and everything and drove for like I drove from the delta to uh lake murray <laughs> and just by myself like i'd only like we drive on the other side of the truck and the other side of the road and i'd always followed someone i was still just learning and i drove across the whole country to watch an elite event and um i was kind of almost thinking about going home at that stage because things things just weren't working out for me and um and i ran into julie rambanis and she remembered me from the US Open and then she said, you know, Fred would love to see me and Fred weighed in and I watched it and there was thousands of people there and I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. And then uh, when, I, when, I, when I ran back into Fred again, he they just invited me, you know, into their home and um, I ended up living with Fred and Julie for almost two years and he was just a huge mentor for me and sped my learning curve up a large mouth tenfold. That's pretty cool. Kind of like different strokes. Listen, what I found really cool about you was when you were a co-angler, you drug your boat around to all the tournaments. And, went, and you said, I read that you he would win. He would go out and fish the winning patterns in his boat after the event. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, I did that for nearly two years. <laughs> um I, um, and, I, and I went as a marshal while I did that as well. So, yeah, each for the first year and the second year, and then after that I marshaled, I'd tow my boat to every single event and then, yeah, go as a marshal and then watch the guys that won. And then on the Monday I'd go out and fish as many of those different techniques that I knew the guys used. And, you know, I'd always just catch them like crazy because <laughs> the fish were, like, settled on the Monday. There was no one out there and they'd just be always biting and I'd, catch them and just understand some of the techniques that they were using and it was just like i've been like a sponge you know for four years i've soaked up and and uh what would you say of like i've just studied the elite guys that you know that i i think are some of the best mentally and um technique wise and just learn everything i can you know good and bad about every guy I can. Well, it's funny you should say that because a lot of successful people will tell you that if you if you have something you aspire to be, surround yourself with people that have excelled in that area and 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 you and you will before you know it excel yourself and it's exactly what he's done. Yeah, yep. it's pretty neat. Who yep. is 100% correct you like it's it's the same as just like negative people or positive people or if you it doesn't matter if you think it's not wearing on if you hang around people that are negative it will it will wear on you, and there's just no doubt. And you surround yourself with people that have similar goals, similar dreams, or are positive. You will become positive. And I've been very lucky that I have I have a lot of positive people in my life, and a lot of mentors, and a lot of 
uh, like you know one of my good friends that I was very lucky to meet a lot of years ago is Casey Stoner and he's a MotoGP world champion and I got to go to his races and see him win on the biggest stage you know on MotoGP and when you see something like that and talk to someone that's done things like that you just you become you know you, you start to think like them and 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 want to become that and yeah, just just going to the elite events and hanging around elite series anglers and talking to them, and it's just something that I've just I just immersed myself in bass fishing in in America for four four years, and I was studying largemouth for two three years before that. You know, just knowing that when I was 18 years old, there's articles just continually written about me where I quote, "I want to go to America and compete against the best in the world," and I'd never left Australia. I'd never been on an aeroplane before. So it just, like, seems like a it, an impossible dream, just something the kid was saying, but it, it here I am. Here right you are, on. and you're doing you're doing great. And uh, you had a great tournament at Gunnersville. That was amazing to see. And you talked about people that you admire in the sport. Who were your guys? Like, uh, you know, I talk, Ike talks about some of his – marquee guys like he mentions brower and clun and who who are the guys that stand out in your mind that, that are the key guys in the sport right now that what was that who i stayed with well no who are the key guys that you admire in the sport right now who who do you think are the best guys in the sport right now in fishing uh, oh yeah yeah um that i i, I admire um like i admire certain things of different guys and you know like mike the two things I love about him is his work ethic is ridiculous and I try and mirror him and if I can outwork Iconelli then you're going to be the hardest working guy on the tour because I rate myself as when I get off the water if Ike's truck's there I'm getting off too early and I get off at dark sometimes and his truck's still there and um and he um you know that his work ethic is is tenfold on most guys on the tour and that's what makes him so good and I kind of he has said before that he doesn't think his fishing ability is as good as the others and he but he makes up for it in how bad he wants it and how hard he works and I said on stage that these guys have 30 40 years experience on me on largemouth that I'll never ever be able to get back but so I have to compensate that in how hard I work how much I want it um you know I I, I live and breathe it and that that I, I need to compensate that by what I do so I love Ike's work ethic and I love what he does for the fans and I got to give a little piece back and see a little piece of how it is when I got off stage I signed autographs took photos and selfies with <laughs> 70 year old grandmas and kids and signing <laughs> autographs for like an hour and a half I just stayed there and I loved every second of it and every time I see Ike he's all about the fans and that um that's what I really love about uh, about him um technique wise uh I like my I like most of the um kind of finesse the California guys it's funny like Brent Erler is probably someone that I um I really just like his style and the way he fishes someone and um and you know and probably Brandon Palinick and um just loving his swim bait and going big or going home style and then you know a lot of guys are talking about him now, but I just reckon Justin Lucas is a freak. Like he just he just catches them everywhere he goes, and um, you know I actually haven't got a chance to really watch him fish or see what he does, but I know he has that California style, and um, he just he just seems to be you know 
so consistent. But it's um, at this level, it, I've seen it just big time now after this week. It's a total mental game. And you see the guys kind of taking themselves out of it before it's even started or um, just like after one day. And like mm-hmm. all, if you look at any of my top 12s, I was sitting in, in the Bassmaster Open. Sometimes I was in 80th position, 50th, 70th, and I'd make the top 12. And you have doesn't you just have to like you have to just keep going. You're gonna have bad days, but if you can't let those ones affect your whole tournament or your whole year. And like 105th at Sabine, I was like rocked, and I was thinking I couldn't catch a fish that was in like Chris Lane's bag. And I'm thinking how how good are these guys? They are freaks, and it would have been very easy for me to just um, let that hit my confidence and carry it through the year, but you just can't do it. You've got to come back strong, and uh, how you react to that is everything. And, and doing what I did, is it just proves that you just you just can't stay down. Hey, Carl, two things. One, we have some IM questions that we're going to ask you, but can I just give you some friendly advice? Yeah. Okay. So you're coming from <laughs> Australia to America. Yep. If you're going to emulate a group of guys, the very last group of guys you want to emulate is California. Okay. Oh. Nobody likes people from California except people from California. <laughs> Try to find somebody from like North Dakota. All right. No one hates anyone from North Dakota. All right. Don't be California. Oh. Don't don't be New Jersey, but don't be California. Don't man. don't listen to this nonsense. Okay. California. <laughs> California people are, are are weak, dude. <laughs> I'm sure I'm I'm feeling you giving a few people a real dig there. <laughs> North Dakota, my friend. Okay. What do you, no what one do you knows got? anyone from North Dakota. I don't know anyone. Yeah. All right, we're going to move past that. What do you got back there for us, J3? You just met Dave. <laughs> so we're curious um, on I am question here. Where did you get your funding in between? You know, you were fishing the opens. You said you came over here. You had everything out of your car. You know, did you did you sleep in the back of your car like Polonek? You know, did you work at a gas station? Did you sell Dunkin' Donuts? You know, what did you do to fund yourself? Um, so when I fished the U.S., when I came over and fished the tournament, I came back to Australia. Um, you know, I had I, I pretty much I left school and work managed a tackle store just like everyone. I fished tournaments like two tournaments a month and managed a tackle store in my hometown. That's that's you know that's pretty much what I did. I was just on an ordinary wage, but I had a pretty good life. I had my boat, I had a Skeeter ZX190, had a nice truck. I had everything set up in my life like I was I was doing well in Australia just loving kind of just living and breathing the fishing and I went home and when I made the decision that this is what I was going to do I didn't do it like half-heartedly I just said this is what I want to do this is what I have wanted to do and I literally just sold every single thing I owned and um so I sold my truck my boat um it's like every little thing you could imagine that I had in Australia to gain funds and I stayed back a year and just saved every I saved for a year working at the tackle store and um and just put it all together and then at the end of the year when everyone said you know I said this is what I'm doing I'm going we did a fundraising tournament um through a bass and a, a bass bass and New South Wales nation and they uh, they ran one for me my sponsors got involved and they end up raising $18,000 for me. We had a fishing tournament, fundraiser. So we had like a weekend where I fished with a guy like auctioned off to fish with me and different stuff. So 
sold my truck, my boat, saved up, and had the fundraiser, um, and that that lasted me two years on the um, on coming wow. over here. So I just had this big wad of money, and I just just lived in the back of my truck. I bought a um, Ram Dodge when I was over here in 2005, and Skeeter gave me a loan boat. And then I just I slept in the back of the truck, and I've got yeah I've got mattress same thing mattress and bed in the back of my truck, and I just sleep in it when I'm on the road. When I was doing the big long runs, I just sleep in the back instead of paying you know for just a small amount of sleep. And um and I slept in it a few of the tournaments when the weather wasn't too hot or freezing cold. And then at the end of two years, I just fully ran out of money. I was done. I'd like lost everything, and I went home. And then just started getting some phone calls from sponsors and and from australia and just had the support of like a country behind me and i also like borrowed money maxed out credit cards like it's been crazy but the the sponsors started on the third year and so they got me through the third year and then so my second year i'm second year i started i missed the elites by one point Mm. and that stirred everyone up like how close i came and I was shattered, you know, but it was such a good thing in the end. And then third year they came on, and then fourth year, um, I, third year I had the worst year. I never made a single check. I come like in the hundreds. I just got smoked, and I went back home again. But at the end of that third year, I made that fourth at Ross Barnett. So at end of the year, Gene Eisen, I was so broke that Gene was swiping his credit card in the fuel machine so i could fuel my boat up at ross barnett and and for then to get there so like we would pull up he would swipe his card so i could put fuel on my truck like i didn't have when i and so i made a fourth and won 10 grand (laughs) when i got back i went and seen fred and julie and we were like just pumped and we went to lunch and um i wanted to buy him it was like 33 dollars and all of my cards didn't work like i didn't have a cent that sounds bad. like me and brian till about four years ago dude <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah it's just the bass fishing world i just used to stress about it and now and then say so fourth year came and everyone got back on board again and just got me a foot in the door and i said you know my motto was whatever it takes and i Literally, I lived in Gene's man cave. Like, he's got, like, a four-bay garage that has a bed shower in it. He'd let me stay there last year, and I just immersed myself in bass fishing. My boat was in there, and I lived and breathed every day bass fishing and everything that was going to be my advantage to make the elites. And at the end of the year, I made it through the Central Opens. Well, now that now that you made it to the elites, right, what what now? Now now you're staring at an eighty five thousand dollar bill. How, oh, did the sponsor step up? How, how did how are you managing it right now? Um yeah they 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 stepped up and I picked up a few new ones. Um you know they all came back on board again, but I got about um a bit under probably half of what I needed um to to really mm. get you know like to get through the year. And um to be honest, if I didn't win a check at um, this event, things were going to get pretty wild. <laughs> so it's kind of like it, it looks. The problem is with Facebook and everything, with the way social media is, it, you just it looks like I'm just just balling, like the truck and boat I have and stuff. But it's just it's not the case. I have I'm very careful, like with every bit of my money and with the way 
it works out with my visa and how I have to fly over here and rigging my boat. I spent a ridiculous amount of money just right before the Sabine, just trying to get prepared. And then the Elite Series, um, just the entry fees, just just smash you straight up before you even fish an event and another payment coming up. So it's like, you know, you you have to catch them. So to make a, make a good check at this one was pretty big for me. So we did some research and we found out you're a CrossFit athlete. What? Like how 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 often do you get to train now that you're on the road? Do you find CrossFit gyms when you're out and about? Yeah, that's that's actually why I like it because like there's a like when you're sort of associated with a CrossFit gym, you can just call into any CrossFit what they call a box, which is where they work out, and they'll just let you jump into a workout. So I'll um like there's one at Gunnersville, and um I I just would walk in there and just do a workout, and then now I'm on the road, I'll just like put into my gps where i'm going to probably stop for the night at like six o'clock at night hit like indianapolis crossfit it'll come up with three i'll hit one and then i'll see what time their wads are and just roll in there 15 minutes before it and jump in and do do one and it's kind of like it's sort of done in an hour and you're, you're you've done it so that's i've been i've been trying to stay uh, as fit as i can on the road because it is really hard when you when you start driving and fishing and and everything it's it's hard to do it but it, it helps me so much that I, I, I know it's a huge advantage. Another IM, J3? Yeah. Uh, do they have the term sugar mama over there in Australia? You could get yourself one of those. <laughs> I've, t- I've, t- I've been told that. I've been told. <laughs> yeah, but not what you're doing now. You're out there. You're getting girlfriends. Like, you can't do that and be have sugar mamas, dude. you got to be young and single with the CrossFit body. <laughs> that was that was that was last resorts. That was that'd be very last resort. <laughs> Everybody has their price. Especially that accent, dude. The elas- yeah, the elastic bad. bands on the panties just get loose as soon as you're like Hello <laughs> <laughs> Come here to my garage. There's you girls know? posting on the IM forum. Yeah, I'll I'll dude. be your girlfriend. They they're getting on it. I used to think the British accent was the best. I'm I'm now full Australian, man. All when right. I re-envision myself, reinvented, I'm going to have an Australian <laughs> accent. Dude. You know, you know what? You, let me. Like and when I'm going to train CrossFit. When the Australian <laughs> folks come over here, we're all fascinated with their accent. Are you guys fascinated with ours when we go over yeah, there? Is it, does, is, is it reverse? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. All you, like everyone, and it, everyone always says to me, "Man, you're getting all this and whatever, and your accent uh. over here." And I'm like, "Hey, just if you pack up and move countries, you can do it too." <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Sure, I'm pretty sure the girls in Australia like the American accent. They are. Uh, it's it's kind of the same. It works the same. Yeah, it doesn't work that well in Quebec. Uh, that's yeah. where I got spit in my face by the first time by a woman. So it doesn't work that well up there, dude. <laughs> it'll work all over the place. Don't go back there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Hey, like well, us. <laughs> I, I I just think it's great. I, you know, I think it's great what you're doing. Um, I think it's great that you went all in. You know, uh, I have a business. I went all in when I was 20 to start it. And it took off, and I mean, it's 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 refreshing to hear the story. You know, a lot of people don't go all in and try to do something like what you're doing, and and you know, sometimes that's what it takes to make it, no matter what you're doing in life. You know, whether it's your job or your bass fishing or being a pro athlete, and you know, it, it, my hat's off to you. And uh, I'm coming out to Marshall in California, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll stop by and see you. So nice, awesome. nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to. Uh, yeah, I do. You know, that's a big part of what I want to do is is 
I want my story to get out there because I do want people to, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, in work or life or business, I just think that, you know, you can, you, you just, you can do it. You can have what you want. You can create your own, you know, what you want to be. And, and I've proven that there's just, <laughs> if I can do what I've done, there's just no excuses for anything. And I think going all in is it, that's what stops people. It's a fear that less like they they just don't go all in because it's that fear of failing or whatever they want to you know whatever they've got. But the fact is that if you just want it and that's what you want, you set your goals at it. You can you can do it. It doesn't matter what it is. So listen up, sponsors. We've got a player here. He's all in. He's doing well out on the elites. He's uh, got a great track record coming over from Australia. So we, we re- I really hope some sponsors look your way, and I think they'd be making a good decision if they do. If you go to his website, Carl, I was on your site. You're, the way you have your sponsors laid out, the drop-down tabs, that's that's pretty cool, man. Like uh, you, re- you really represent your sponsors well. Yeah, I think um, yeah. This week they they I think they really got their money's worth. But I try and I appreciate every single sponsor that really gets behind me and helps me. And uh, you know, a lot of them are like lifelong friends. You know, lots of them are just people that want to see me do well and and have seen how badly I want it and they're they're getting behind me and helping me. But um, you know, I I know how the sponsorship game works and it's hard to you know look for that kind of money and then for them to get it back you know through what you do and i i I work as hard as i can and see guys like brandon palanick what he does for his sponsors i think he's the one of the hardest working guys on tour as far as you know his gopro stuff and his footage and and how hard he works on all of that sort of stuff and people don't realize that he's doing all of that himself and um, and you know that that is what the sponsors want. Social media is a huge thing, and mm. I just need to get that following up as much as I can, and yeah, do uh, you know keep my sponsors happy is a is a huge part of what I do. So, Carl, before we let you go, with the yep. FaceTime shot we have, it looks like you're like in the middle of a diamond heist. So before we before we let you get back to your heist, <laughs> we have something on the show here called it's, it's, our, it's our rapid fire questions. Are you ready to answer some questions? Yeah. All right. Some of them are uh, some of them are easy. Some of them get a little bit more progressive, and uh, we'll start off with an easy one. Who gets more chicks? Mick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that one. <laughs> what was that? Hold on. Is the Geico lizard British or Australian? British. Okay. <laughs> Most annoying Australian cliche. Like what you guys think. <laughs> Is that what you, is that what you're saying? Like, no, like for if, like you as an Australian, what's like, the most annoying cliche we, like, we do? Like, like shrimps on the barbie. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> that, yeah, that. Yeah, like. That. Exactly <laughs> right. Thank you. you said I know it. For it. me. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know, dude. I know things. <laughs> Are you offended by these cliche questions? No. I'm All right. Not. So when you're on the road, uh, a hot Carl or a Japanese uh, wheelbarrow? Never mind. Um, American <laughs> football or rugby? Australian rules football. Well, see, the thing is, we've got two types. One's called rugby and the other one's called league, like actual football. And I like league um, more than rugby. It's very similar. They've just got different rules. But I did watch my first ever uh, college game in uh, Oklahoma versus Texas, and it was pretty cool once I started understanding the rules. But I'm I'm, I'm still a rugby fan. So then uh, that brings me to this question. Shrimps on the barbie or midget tossing? <laughs> oh well, we don't call them shrimp to start with, but and we don't put them on the barbie, so I'll say uh, prawns. 
<laughs> I'll say cooked prawns on a summer's day. And the last one. <laughs> Who would you rather be punched in the face by, a kangaroo or Ish Monroe? <laughs> um... <laughs> well, a kangaroo would hit harder, so I probably can't. Probably oh, agree. Oh, That's that California oh. thing. They're, they're lip I'm telling you. <laughs> Kangaroos are pretty, pretty hardcore. You know, they, they, they look fluffy and cute, but they're actually pretty mean. <laughs> yeah. you, would, well, you wouldn't want to mess with one. Well, I, I tell you, the, I, would, I appreciate you putting up with those questions. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I heard you say, I just, I wanted to get to this uh, before you go. You had mentioned you spent eight months out in California fishing the delta and fishing the next the, what's the other lake coming havasu yeah. uh so man you got to be pumped coming I off know. a top 12 finish and now you're going to two lakes you know i know i know like the schedule was good like when it come out i'm i've been to every single lake bar one of the um of the elite series schedule and like i drove some days sometimes i drove two days to get to some of these events um to marshal them and and just go there to see them, and the way the schedule worked out is um, is pretty cool because I know most of them, which is um, which you know just a slight thing, but I lo- like Havasu is my favourite lake on in all of America, so I'm I'm pumped. Uh, yeah, we, we have we have a uh, a fantasy fishing uh, game going on here in the studio. I actually got my Havasu pick on the air right now. Wow. I was thinking the I was thinking the same thing. We're like you're a sleeper that you know yeah. a lot of people aren't probably thinking about, but uh, nah. you've opened the eye, you've opened our eyes a little bit. So we're <laughs> we're looking for great things from you, Carl. But uh, before you go, um, tell you know social media is key. It's key for sponsorship. Tell people how they can connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. What do you got going? Yep, I've got I've got all of those things going. Um, it's just Carl Jockamson um, on Instagram, and for, in, my Instagram has definitely um, taken off. It's like it's the most popular out of all of them now. I can see Instagram definitely is the favourite, um, even through all bass fishing. Um, but my Facebook page as well, Carl Jockamson. I'm on Twitter. Um, you can follow all my stuff through my website. I've got a great, um, a great lady, Karen, back in Australia. She looks after my website and everything that goes on my social media goes up on my website. Um, the biggest, coolest thing right now is I have um, my exact jersey that I'm wearing this year. We're doing a, it's a three-week pre-order, um, and you can get on my website and you can actually order that jersey. And they've just, it's just blown up in Australia because we're going to have some pretty cool stuff. You're going to be able to buy my jersey or my hoodie, and we're going to do some competitions where if you're watching um, Bassmaster Live or watching the weigh-in and um, wearing the jersey, we're going to do some do some cool things, and there's already been a ton of US sales just through my social media kind of fan base in the US, which is um, re- you know really cool to me. So yeah, if you want to check it out, carljockamson.com is the website, and um, I'm on all the social media. And any anyone that wants to follow me, get on board and uh, appreciate the support. Well, be- best of luck this year. We're we're going to be watching. We're going to be pulling for you, Carl. Thanks so much for being on the show, buddy. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, See you, Carl. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. It's great having you. Thanks. That was awesome. Wow. My new favorite guy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> ah, we forgot to ask him about his tight shirt and his little shorts that he wears, uh, man. Uh, Too late. Dude, we'll he, was, he was great. Yeah, I like I'm him. Big fan. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. That was and awesome. you know what? The way he laid out his strategy... This guy's going to go places, man. And he never even had to put on yellow pants to do it. Nope. (laughs) Or bleach his hair. Well, he doesn't need to. He's got that slick accent. 
That's you it. Know? And that's guns. Gonna, that's gonna that's gonna be his calling card. He's got a set of pipes. You got to admire John. You pull. You pointed it out that uh, you know a guy that can that that is willing to make that kind of sacrifice, that kind of commitment, just immersing himself in this sport. Uh, you know, like anybody that makes it to the top level, they've got that story behind them, and and he's uh, he's got that story behind him. Yeah, really. it's all in what your fear is. You know, everybody has their fear, and. Now, a lot of people don't realize this. My fear of being nothing is is more than my fear of losing. So that's that's why I went all in. And I still continue to do through business. And a lot of people have their fear. You just got to figure out what it is. Well, he's fearless, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy's fearless. He's I, getting after it. Yeah. I, I don't know. About, I don't know about recognizing the fear. Can you keep going, dude? That was awesome, man. I like, can go all day. I feel like... I don't know. Like it was very sermon-like, dude. Yeah. But it was delivered with sincerity. You, you know, you got to... touch people and make them fall down? Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's it's where you want to be. You know, like, I spend a lot of time listening to a lot of motivational stuff, so that comes across, you know, because yep. I, I want to be motivated every day. I want to get up every day and want to move and want to live life and want to go fishing and want to do all the great things that there are to do. I don't worry about all the negative and the garbage and the trash. Move forward, you know. Be excited. I mean, me and Pete go out and train together. I mean, uh, I love it. I live for those days. I, I live for getting out on the water. You know, I worked all day. I got up at 6 o'clock this morning. I drove up here. I'll get home at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning tonight. And I'll get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow and take my kids at school. They'll be there at 7.30 and move on my day and do it all over again. And, yeah, will I be a little tired tomorrow? Yeah, but... This is what you have to do if you want to succeed and if you want to get to where you want to get to in life. I actually got snobbed one time by a motivational speaker fan. So I'm talking, just like conversation, just like this. And a guy tells me how he's into motivational speakers. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, so you like Tony Robbins? And he was just like, I guess that's, he's like, Tony Robbins? Like, no, I listen to, and he like told me these other names of people. I'm just like, like, I don't, dude, like, you're like one millionth of one percent of people that listen to shit. Don't expect me to know who you're talking about, dude. You know what I mean? I love the guys who are motivational. And the first thing they're doing, like, if you pull up YouTube, it's F this, and they're, dropping you know every cuss word and i'm like where did motivation yeah. and that come together I you know what i mean mother- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like come on that's what i would watch <laughs> so, so basil hawk's been commenting he thinks we hate skeet because he's being himself does anybody here hate skeet no i don't i don't know skeet no i don't hate skeet i don't hate skeet we just like to bust balls i we like bust each other's balls Worse than anybody's balls. Yeah. yeah. I like so. Ski and I started fishing together in the top 100 about the same time. And uh, he was from the West Coast. And, uh, you know, I, I just felt, you know, him and I hit it off. We were working for the same team. We were both on the Champion Boats uh, pro staff way back when. And, uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's great to see him go on and win the Classic. His, his beautiful wife and his family. Uh, it's just it's great to see this. It's uh He's had a couple really, really great wins. You know, he's a big-time angler. Yeah, he big is. Time. He's one of the best. Yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and apologize for making fun of the guy, Bassaholic. Sorry. No. But, like, when a guy wears pants three sizes too small and his pockets look like two bulldogs arguing with each other, what am I supposed to do? I got We got to point these things out, man. I'm going to apologize. Please. Uh, we, uh, yeah, some people can't laugh at stuff. So. Does laugh. anybody have any updates for Mike on their phone? Has anybody checked nah, their phone? No, I got nothing. Because they're asking. Yeah. Did, did, did you get the was the, they just did the selfie of him looking at the show? Did you guys show that one? I don't know. 
Oh, did I? No, I got, we I did not show that, that because oh, Kevin it. Short was on the line when that came in. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me let me. I got it up if you want it. Uh, I I got the zoom here. All right. Well, I just want to mention, you were available on iTunes and Stitcher for those that don't have iTunes accounts, right, Brian? Yes, we're now on Stitcher. Yep, that's it's, what I got. It's an use. app you download to your phone, and yep, yep. And, if you and, don't have an iTunes account, you just and this show will be available for download tomorrow, and we expect at least twice as many downloads because we're running the show this time. Yeah, good <laughs> luck with that. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the Ike shot before we. There he is. Uh, he's watching too, the show. I wonder if he's using Stitcher or iTunes or. What is he? He's just watching live. He's just watching Mike Live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, shoot. We hope we should. What time is it now? I think it's time to go home. No, it's almost 10 o'clock, right? He should be done. Is that right? He should be, uh, his procedure should be concluded and, uh, or pretty close to it, depending on the complexity of the scenario. Brian, have you, have you done a screenshot of the mural, uh, that we've put up in Mike's absence? This one? There he is. There he is with the top rod, with his top rod jacket on. <laughs> That's what he does. Ow! Yeah, he does a lot of screaming. He's here in spirit. We appreciate that. Hey, did you, I want to give a shout out. Do you have a picture of Jake? Oh, oh great one. Uh, I got it on my phone. I sent it over to you, Bri. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Is, is, is there not a prouder moment for an angler dad? than to experience what you experienced. It was amazing. And I'll give you the background story while Brian's digging for the photo. But uh, there, there's this great guy. He's, he's He was in a lot of the clubs in South Jersey. His, his name is Gary. I can't remember his last name. But he does this thing. He's been doing it for like 20 years. It's called Fishing with Mr. Gary. And he does it for the local <laughs> elementary school kids. And uh um, alone, Dave. He's collected uh <laughs> you know what? You know <laughs> Go get me a beer. Just go. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Take a walk. You, you don't want to participate in that event? <laughs> My kid will not be around fishing. Yeah. Go ahead. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's been taking these kids, elementary school kids, teaching them how to fish. The kids have never seen their parents don't know how to fish. The kids don't know how to fish. He provides rods and reels. He gives every kid giveaway prizes. And um you know, it's a really, really great event by a sincere guy. Just really wants to, you know, teach these kids how to fish. And so oh. uh, he invited uh, uh, Jake and I to participate in this event. And uh, they had minnows and worms. And there it is. There is the result. There's little wow. Jake Gluzak with a, a bass of a lifetime caught in a little pond about an acre. Uh, is all bigger it was. And we were using minnows. And um, I tied I tied a little... Uh, chatterbait on the end of his rod, and uh, next thing you know, Jake ties into a six-pound, six-ounce largemouth. And, uh, yeah, I was proud. I nice. was proud as could be to watch him drag that fish in. He could hardly turn the reel handle. He was pulling so hard. Wow. And, and, uh, and Jake, love you, buddy. Great catch. And I want to give a shout-out to Jay Kumar and the Bass Blaster, who covered us. Little Jake. Nice. Getting, that's getting that's some cool. Fame, getting some fame, making the uh, shot of the day on the Bass Blaster. That's, that's awesome. That, Jay. Appreciate it. I still swear that one night I headbutted Jay with all that Jaeger. At Mike's house? Yeah, dude. I'm pretty certain I blasted him, but I don't know. Maybe it was someone else, and I thought it was Jay. On purpose? No, I had Jaeger. Dude, I was holding Jaeger like it was a beer can, dude. Like, <laughs> no one thought to take it out of my hand, and I, it was like a good idea to let me do that. But Dude, that's the last time I saw you get like that. That's the last time I got like that. That's the last time you probably will get like that. Dude, 
I was crawling next to my wife's car while she's screaming at me to get in. Like, I was crawling on the highway, dude, like on the side of the road. This is being broadcast, by the way. I forgot. <laughs> well, so back, back to what's it, Mr. Ro- what's that, what's that fishing guy, Mr. Ken? <laughs> Mr. Gary. Mr. G- like what? Like what's is he like? All right, kids, we take the hook. We then take the line. We thread the hook. This nice little hook. That's oh. Mr. Rogers. Oh. I don't know. I'm, hey, I'm sorry, Mr. Ken. All right, I'm, these kids got. These kids got to call him something, man. Uh, I got to yeah, shut your mic off. Yeah, it's over. Drive. I'm done. Man. Hey, I also I also have some news, and we're going to just have another beer over here on the side. I want, I want to give a shout-out to Andy's Custom Bass Lures, who, uh, who I'm going to um, represent this year. I'm so excited because I started working with his products last year, but he makes hair jigs are an amazing way to catch bass, and a lot of guys aren't throwing them. And he makes some of the most dynamite uh, custom bass lures. This, this is a ledge jig that, um, I mean, makes some of the most dynamite hand-tied stuff you'll ever see. Yeah. Check it out, Andy's Custom Bass Lures. It's also got something really unique coming out, which is a nature jig, which is a, a fusion of, of living rubber and natural hair. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it's a really, really unique product. So check it out, Andy's. The hook on it's real dense too. It's like it's not going to be a hook that you straighten out. Like, it's a I like it a lot. It's a flipping jig. The thing yeah. I like about Andy is he's a tournament winner. Yeah. This isn't just a guy making lures. This is a guy that wins tournaments up in the Northeast for a long time. So uh, some really cool. dynamite stuff. I don't know where the picture came from because it doesn't say. It could be from Becky or it might be from Mike, but it says that he is in recovery and there's a picture of him thumbs up heading out of the uh, right. hospital room. I guess. Cool. That's great news. That's great news, buddy. We're all with you. We love you. We uh, we hope you're listening, <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, really. But, uh, <laughs> we uh, we hope you we hope we did you proud by uh, by by covering the show for you. We really do uh, wish you well. And looking forward to hearing from you soon. What's next on the agenda, guys? Uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. That's yeah, about it. That's about it. Mics are off. Hey, well, we appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you being with us. Uh, Everybody, uh, you know, Kevin, it was great. Becky, thank you, uh, as always, for being with, with here with us. Carl, uh, thanks for making time. All you guys, you know, it was, a, it was a team effort. It's hard to make up for Ike and Ellie not being in the Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There you know, is I mean, no making up for that. Nah, we that is we the could. bright side. Fans, in about another week or two, I'll be right over my old spot in the corner saying like three or four things a, yeah. a show, and that's about it. So you'll have Mike <laughs> back in the main seat, Pete here, and it'll be back to normal. For those of you that hung in there and listened to us for two hours, yeah. we love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here on Ike Live, and we will see you. When's the next show, Brian? That's a heck of a question. Based on Ike's schedule, his recovery, are we scheduled for something next week? I It'll thought? probably be post-Havasu. Post-Havasu. I, I believe. All right. I don't know. We, did, we didn't do our picks either. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll do the picks and then we're, and then we're out of here. Okay, do, so the pa- gotta, do the picks and I'll come back and do the clothes. See, all we over have again. to do the picks on the air, folks, because I lost <laughs> last week's picks, so I have to go and rewatch so I can get the actual picks. Brian, who do you have? Uh, I, I got the milkman. I'm going with Jared Littner because he's the nicest fellow. Although there's a lot of nice fellows on the trail. Skeet's a nice guy. I met him at the classic. So if Bassaholics is still watching, I think Skeet's a nice guy. J3. I have to go with Dennis TJ. <laughs> That's all right. Hey. Still stirring the pot. Yeah. Pete? 
Man, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've suffered. I've suffered. I've suffered in the last two picks. Yeah. I was really Aaron Martin's. A, you know, just had a bum Gunnersville tournament, which he never has, and uh, and I picked him to do well down well out there. I'm a, you know, I'm torn. I think I might be. I might stick with Aaron on this one. Interesting. It's going to come back. Eller's going to be hard to beat. When a man that talented takes a beating, he's going to come back strong. And you know who Ike is picking? Ike's picking himself. Ish is picking himself. Yeah, as he should. John Cruz is picking himself. How about Ish? What is is on fire, checking every time out of the gate. That boy Ish. Who'd you pick, Dave? That brings me to my pick. Ishama Monroe. Oh, what? Yeah. Now he's good out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a stud out there, and and he's on fire. Yeah, he's just steady every yeah, time. He's good out there. Every time out of the gate this year. Hmm. I can make my Havasu pick now. I know. Well, I think I might join you on that one. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not it's sure. the Australian machine gun, man. That's 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 who I'm picking, man. Like that. Dude. You know what? I am picking one tournament this year. I'm not sure which, but I'm going to pick our boy Joe Sancho. I'm not sure which one's going to be his breakout tournament this year, but it's coming. He had some funny stuff to say on the stage. I'll take Rojas on Havasu. Rojas? Damn, I thought you had Dennis TJ. Uh, Havasu. Havasu. Oh, what were I doing, Havasu, yet? All right. I thought we were. No? No, I was just saying, uh, I don't know okay. what I'm saying. I think I might so, Mark Goldberg's the only one we're missing. He didn't get back to me. So, Mark, if I don't hear from you tonight, my friend, I'm going to I'm gonna pick for you. And I'm going to pick someone really bad. In case I forget, but I, I, think, I think I'm picking B-Height for Havasu. Oh. In case I forget. I might forget by, by next week. But who knows when the next show is. But we will let you know. You can count on that. On Mike's Facebook page, you can check that out on his website and our pages. We're going to let everybody know when the sh- next show is. It's going to be dependent upon, I guess, Mike's health and his ability to to get to a Skype and um, and and check it out. So, and more importantly, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Yeah. We, we really, uh, we're really hungry for some criticism and... Uh, to know what you'd like to hear and what you would like to not see in the show anymore. All right. We would like to thank Xmark for uh, for being part of the show and building some of the best lawn equipment in the history of the world. Under Armour <laughs> as well. And uh, we appreciate you guys being with us. And uh, thank everybody again for watching. Thank you guys and all of our guests. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time here on Night Live. All right. I'll go play the Under Armour and we're out. Welcome to Monster Bucks Weekend Moments. Brought to you by Xmark. Michael Waddell has been consistently hunting a huge buck spotted a few days before. We know this boy's in here. We're going to keep asking. With a hot doe in the area, it's not long before the giant appears. The doe begins to lead the buck right into Michael's bow range. At the right time, Michael comes to full draw. Biggest deer in my life, maybe the biggest deer I've ever killed in my life. With an unbelievable oh score of 196 Pope and Young, Michael just killed his biggest buck ever.